Hello and welcome to the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves podcast. Uh, I'm Stuart Moraine and I'm joined as usual by uh, John Nock and Ben Farn from Brown Lion. So you threw me for a minute because we, 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 we usually Andy, but sadly well, Andy's we went, missing. We went counterclockwise. It's but the cardboard uh, cutout that you have made of Andy is superb. It's like he's almost here. Oh, <laughs> it's a shame the clothed version costs more. I know, but yeah. it's just apparently it costs a lot to print clothes. <laughs> anyway, on today's podcast in the... Uh, we appear to be in a new golden age of telly with things like Arrow and potentially The Flash and Gotham and all that thriving on TV. We're going to take a look back at some of our favourite TV shows that sadly didn't make the cut and uh, were cut short in their prime. Mm-hmm. So um, we're deliberately not talking about Firefly because that could take up an entire episode all of its own. It's also like <laughs> it, it's it's the go-to yeah answer in that in that. Point, yeah. I mean, Firefly. I mean, we can basically say we all think it's amazing. We all wish there had been more. Yeah, and yeah, it's a mind that has been just. Just one small thing on the Firefly thing. Wasn't there recently like a reunion panel? Was it at San Diego or was it at yeah, a different convention? Or something? Before last, yeah. And I think uh, there's like I saw someone like Nathan Fillion said something quite nice where he said like at the time he felt Firefly getting cancelled was the worst thing that could ever have happened. But now he said in this room, seeing the hundreds of fans and seeing the life it's yeah. taken on since the series was cancelled, he almost thinks it was the best thing that could have happened to it. Well, you've got that argument, the same as the Crow argument, you know, would the Crow be as popular as it is now if Brandon Lee hadn't died whilst making it? Would Firefly be as popular now if it had a run and run and run? If it was on like its 10th season? Yeah. Would there be the fan base for it that's as feverish as it is now? Because it's. <clears throat> Not to take anything away from Star Trek fans or Star Wars fans, but there's a certain passion amongst Firefly fans that you don't really see in any other fandom. I think it's because they feel like they were cheated, hmm. and it kind of fuels them on, and you get all these brand coat events. And because I mean, uh, Buffy and Angel still has a following, uh, I would say it has diminished a little bit, but I think it will always have a following, and there are always going to be classic episodes of that. You know, there is the backlash. I saw one person once say that Joss Whedon. It is like a, uh, a delicious table sauce that now people are trying to put on everything. And I thought that was a bit harsh. Yeah. Because I still think there are certain things that Whedon does that's, that's really good. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> there are Whedon-esque things. Sorry, folks, I'm going to cough periodically about this today. Um, <coughs> when so, you hear the cough, turn well, the page. The cough, turn <laughs> the page. Yes, it's a reading with Bennett. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I... I would like to think Firefly would have had a base, but you're quite right. Would it be as... Rabbit is the wrong word, because I'm definitely up there with those people. I am a huge fan. Possibly wouldn't call myself a brown coat, but I do think that's a great term as well. Um, yeah. Anyway, we said we wouldn't talk about yeah, Firefly, no. so let's, let's give some attention well, to we, the we other can, love shows. We can sway, stray slightly into other Joss Whedon things, because Angel was cancelled. We could just finished. We could just have the Josh Whedon. We could <laughs> cancelled podcast. Your Dollhouse, which I personally never really got into, but I, I loved never it. Saw it actually. I loved it, but it was you could see the point where, and fair play to Fox, they were trying desperately to get out the image of we're the ones that cancel all the stuff you love. So they gave it a second season, despite the fact the biggest one there. And halfway through the season, they went, "Okay, this is not working," and took them to one side and said, "You are cancelled at the end of this season." Wrap it up. So there is definitely an episode where you can see them truncate what would have been a good half a season's worth of time into an episode with kind of a three months later mm. thing. And then I think the ending of like one of the reveals at the end of Dollhouse, which I won't spoil as much as I'm not adverse to. Look, it's been out for years. Type spoilers. Um, 
one of the decisions to reveal one of the characters is X, Y, and Z is ridiculous and born of we just need to put a bow on this now for sake of resolutions. Well, I mean, to get the ball rolling, if I can present a nomination or a, a series which I feel died before it should have done. Law and Order, 20 short seasons. Oh, no. <laughs> I love Law and Order. So I love Law and Order. Ridiculous, yeah. Law and Order should have just run and run and run for Jack McCoy fist bump for the for the. Hang on, hi McCoy. Oh my god, it's so good. Ken's uh, got no idea. My only <laughs> sort of experience of Law and Order was having a go at watching Law and Order UK. Because no, no, because it had Jamie Bamber in it from BSG and um, Bradley Prima, Walsh, obviously. Angerman, Angerman, <laughs> however you pronounce it. Apologies. Prima fans and Prima herself, but um, <laughs> so Prima fans. Her, her after Doctor Who, and I have this sort of thing of watching shows that aren't genre if they've had if they have genre stars mm. in them. So it's you know it's what led me to watch Bones. Oh look, David Boreanaz, I'll give that a go. And again, somewhat nine mm. seasons later, I'm still watching Bones. I don't know why anymore. I dropped Bones in the first couple episodes of the second season. I should have loved the first season and just so in series two it just really shifted with me. I was like, I'm done with this. And that's a show that's not been cancelled. <laughs> Weirdly, actually, every time I think I am done with Bones, then they do something like the start of the later season was phenomenal. So fair yeah. play, I'm glad I stuck it out. But there and there have been some really interesting storylines, including the reveal of one of the interns doing something. Um, but why the hell am I watching Bones? I'm basically a sci-fi fan, and there is no science fiction. That's why I watch Castle. But Castle at least takes the piss out of it yeah. in a loving way. There's the episode with um, with uh, a sci-fi convention, or the yeah. the first Halloween episode of uh, Castle, and he dons a brown coat. Yeah. And, goes through the whole thing of putting all this gear on. He looks like a kind of bargain basement version of Mal. Steps out and his daughter looks at him and goes, really, Dad? Space Cowboy? Isn't that like five years ago? It's isn't amazing. That, isn't that, isn't that Absolutely amazing. he nicked from Firefly? No, 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 no. Because no. yeah. well, the rumour is, and uh, Browncoats will tell me if this is true or not, but he nicked all the little Browncoats from Firefly. When they started doing Serenity, he said, well, that's good because we can save some money because Nathan will just bring in his Browncoat. And he went, what Browncoat? Pretended he had no idea what they were talking about. They had to make a new brown coat for Firefly after Serenity, yeah. and he nicked those. <laughs> um, and then for Castle, they went, "Well, we hear you've nicked the brown coat from Firefly and Serenity, so can you bring one in?" They went, "What brown coat?" So they got a bargain basement brown coat, and he nicked that as well. So allegedly, allegedly, legal reasons we shall say allegedly. I think that's wonderful. <laughs> I'd love the idea that somewhere at home in a secret wardrobe, Nathan Fillion has just like. A, a brown coat for every day of the week. I like the idea. He's, he's alone he's in dead. his house. He just checks, make sure he's definitely alone. Then he just goes up to a room, checks again, pushes a button, the bookcase moves. He just got like Batman returns his Batcave with the little. It's basically wardrobe the scene with the bat from um, Stardust with yes. uh, yeah, Captain Shakespeare, but with uh, just <laughs> brown coats. <laughs> I like the idea that that is eBay retirement fund. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I love how we said we wouldn't talk about Firefly. But just one more Nathan Fillion thing. (laughs) Who's seen Slither? Yes. That's really good. Superb. Have you seen the outtakes from Slither? Yeah. He's very funny. I only watched Slither because it had Nathan Fillion in it. Yeah. James Gunn, of course. Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, and then, you know, I was reminded how much I enjoy Michael Rooker as an actor from Slither. Yeah. And then, of course, he turns up again in Walking Dead. I think he's in all of James Gunn's films, isn't he? We seem to be talking about shows that have done well. Because we've even talked about their Walking Dead, which is in, you know, the fifth season. Here's a flip to his. And with the Secured Sixth. Yes, yes. The Sixth. 
announced before they'd even aired the first episode of the fifth. That's confidence in a show. Well, here's a flip side. I mean, like a show which went from, like, you know, you joked about Law and Order, which ran for 20 yeah. years, but I love Law and Order, but that's a situation where, like, you know, the first, it took them a couple of years to get the characters yeah. and the vibe right, and then there's this golden period where you could literally say those 10, 15 years where this series was untouchable. It was wonderful. Once you had Jerry Orbach on the oh, detective yeah. side and uh, Ed Green and uh, Sam Wolfstone as Hang'em High McCoy. Yeah, like Jack McCoy is one of the greatest characters. And, and also lots of weird stats about Law and Order. It had the longest running, like if, uh, a character. So as the character of Jack McCoy yeah. is the... Longest running character well, yeah, ever on American TV. Seasons. He was there for with an unbroken. Yeah, so like he's the longest character on TV, or so, like yeah, longest yeah. running character. Um, with the same actor. Sure. Yes. Cause, yeah. Because yeah. I was going to say the Doctor. Yeah, excluding like the Doctor or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then you had uh, the character of uh, Lieutenant Van Buren, yeah. who is also the both. The, she came in the same time or the season before. Sam Waterstone. Yeah, and the, it's Ben Stone for the first four seasons. Yeah, and the fifth I think the only reason she isn't the longest running character is there was a couple of broken episodes where she wasn't. It was like a. It's like it's not the longest run of a character unbroken on episodes. Because okay. yeah, just weirdly, Michael Dorn from Star Trek is pitching a, a Star Trek Captain Wolf series. And I'd love, if that got picked up in the seven years, he might come very close to not unbroken, yeah, yeah. but to trumping that in terms of one man playing the same character. Yeah, you know, short of Fraser Crane returning oh to my a God, new yeah. you know. But like, yeah, just just going on about the fact that like we're about to talk about at some point, I imagine we will talk about series which <laughs> died before their time. But with Law and Order, it's like it, I think around the 18th. Sorry, folks, I tried to derail the Law and Order. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to shut up. But like around like the 18th series, the last two series weren't great, and it's like Jack- that. That's harsh. That it picked up again for the last two. The series where they had the female co-detective was pretty ropey. It wasn't- but then once like, you brought in Jeremy sister, um, Jeremy sister, um, uh, what's his face, um, um, Anthony Anderson, yeah, it was the two uh, Lupo and Bernard, yeah, yeah, but no, but like Jack McCoy went from being the main. This is like making eye contact with me, and I'm like, uh, uh, yeah, okay, I yeah. have no idea. But Jack McCoy like, became you know, the DA, yeah, and you, but I think it lost something when you didn't see Jack tearing people a new one in court. But then in the last ever episode, which was a little bit of a return to form. It was almost like the writers had thought, we've had Jack not doing his thing for like two years, and he had this amazing rant slash screaming at this one guy. And I was just like, yes. Like, I'd follow you to the gates of hell, sir, Jack McCoy. He's so cool. He's very, very I just, good. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Just quickly, we're going to derail this again. I realised that I am so bored of procedurals, and yeah, I keep watching procedurals that have a twist. Yeah, and that I'm such a sucker for just if there's a good twist. So, Lie to Me, which is a show that was cut short, I feel yeah. before its time. That show was fantastic. Tim Roth finally is a proper leading man. Mm-hmm. No issues with the fact that he's a short actor, which does seem to come up quite often. It feels like you know, I think he's great in Incredible Hulk. Um, I think he's superb in Lie to Me. It's just the most perfect character. And he's like a snake, the way he'll make eye contact. And then three, like people that aren't mm. are trying to avoid eye contact because they're lying. He'll do this thing where he goes down to wherever they're trying to look away to and pull them up like a snake mesmerizing a, an animal mm. or whatever. And then that's it. He can start reading all the micro-expressions and all the rest of it. And I was fascinated for a while with the science of micro-expressions, the whole show superb. And the stuff as well, I think, the that really problem, resonated think- with, with, with his mum, yeah. where his mum had... Like the whole reason he got into it was his mum had 
given an interview. She, like she'd been sectioned basically, um, yeah. But she was on like she had some weekend release thing going on, and she'd given an interview where she'd been like, "Yeah, I'm fine. I'm getting much better. Everything's going well." And she went home and then killed herself. And he obsessively at one stage, clearly, he was saying, "Can rewatch the film of it because it's not even videotaped. It's filmed from the seventies. Of, and there's a lovely episode where he has to bring his daughter in and sit her down and kind of, cause she catches him watching it and he's like, well, this is your grandma and this is the day before. I'm just, I was in bits. Mm. It was not long after my mum had died, so I was a mess anyway, but that was, was just superb. Absolutely superbly played by Tim Roth. I, I must admit, I never watched Lie to Me. It's one I always wanted to watch. Um, I think it suffered from being up against both The Mentalist and there was a weird somebody I think I can't remember who it was but they pitched it as the mentalist mixed with house right and I think that kind of killed it for people in a weird way it, you know like how you pigeonhole yeah, something yeah. into a th- it's why I hate well, the, the elevates pitch isn't it and we so often use existing things as touch tones yeah. and I think because the micro expression thing was so fascinating I loved particularly they used to do a thing which got dropped in later years and I don't know whether it was because they got into trouble or what happened I say later years in the sort of second season I think it ran three seasons three seasons the third yeah. season was a half season or something um, but they used to do a thing especially in the early days where he'd point out something someone had just done as either a facial expression or a body gesture mm-hmm. and then it would cut to someone famous doing it and the one that really stuck with my mind was when a politician had said something that he knew was a lie and so he delivers it, and then he steps away from the microphone like he wants to distance himself from the space where he just told the lie. Yeah. yeah. And the, the character did it, and of course he said this, and then it cut to someone from American politics that we knew quite well doing it, and it was after something had come out to do with one of the conflicts in yeah, recent yeah. years. That, of course, is now not true. I'm desperately trying to remember what it is, so I'm not saying it so that I don't say anything litigious or, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it was fantastic. It really helped sell the science of it mm. uh, great show if you get a chance to pick up the complete box set just do it or if it's on, I think it's on Netflix so boom yeah I think it might be yeah but you were going to bring up yeah no yes, I, you, I derailed you twice well we are here we are sitting in a comic shop and we're talking about uh, crime procedure crime which, procedure which we could, I could do the whole law and order criminal intent oh my god we, we, should, we should do a spin off <laughs> a spin off podcast where we just talk about law and order <laughs> Uh, but yeah, my my um, suggestion because I actually did my research for once. You'd be pleased to know is um, <gasps> who are you and what have you done with the real John Locke? <laughs> I'm the brood axe. We live in flesh. <laughs> <laughs> is um, that explains the zipper on the back of your neck? <laughs> uh, Earth's mighty Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. The, the cartoon. Uh, the cartoon. That's not where I thought I was going to go. No, there you go. Anyway, I, talking of procedurals, and we're in a comic shop. I thought he's going to go with almost human, isn't he? Because they no, cancelled they cancelled that, didn't they? To they kind of brought it back as Avengers Assembled. It or was whatever it's called, a the new vi- one. It was a victim of timing, circumstance, and I mean, um, for those who maybe you know, it was a little intro for those who maybe haven't seen it. Uh, it was uh, a Marvel Avengers cartoon mm-hmm. a few years ago. So I think it was pre the Avengers movie. I don't think it was actually it was pre the yeah, movie, post the movie, cinematic did. universe beginning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm a, a long-term Avengers fan, and over I think about like a 25, 20 issue, uh, 20 episode series, a respectable length. It, it ran for two seasons. Yeah, yeah. the storytelling was successful. I think um, Yost was one of the surnames. Uh, does that ring a bell? Christopher Yost. Yeah, because yeah. he's yeah. now doing the wonderful Christopher Yost. Actually, he did some stuff on 
uh, a couple of I think it was the the Wolverine and the X Men cartoon that was very good, which was yeah. another superb cartoon that got yeah. cut before. I, never I, saw I believe that. he did yeah. some of that, and then he jumped to the comics. I think he was partly responsible for some of the early X twenty three stuff. That's a very good character. Um, you know, mm. yeah, I've got a lot of time for Chris to be honest. Because the writing uh, on that series was superb, and it started out. I think they did about five or so web shorts. Which were, no, they did more actually. They did about a selection of web shorts, which, which were actually only, the pilot episode, wouldn't they? Yeah, really? yeah. they were only like eight minutes assembled. long. And then when they did it as a series, the first few episodes were made up of yeah. those yeah. three of those shorts stuck together. So the first few episodes were a bit disjointed, but then it gets into a full-on plot. And over the course of that series, they took moments from Avengers history you could tell the people yeah. who were making it were fans and they wove it all into a coherent story yeah. and I could have watched that for 10 seasons oh it was superb yeah I think, I, I think the, the new pro- Avengers one is a continuation of it but loosely I I think it's I think it's got some of the same voice cast because I think the issue is they did the first series and the first series was fantastic yeah. the second series it was almost death by a thousand cuts because the budget got cut dramatically and, and there's a real drop in animation the quality. other major problem is it was up against Ultimate Spider-Man it was almost like yeah. two different directions the uh, Marvel Animation Studios it looked at least from the outside looking in I have no inside track it looked like they were pulling in two different directions and because the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon was doing well mm-hmm. and they featured sort of cameos of certain Avengers it was almost like well let's pull yeah. that together and I have to say the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon I'm really enjoying when I get a chance to see it. And I'm really excited by the fact that the Spider-Verse sort of storyline is coming over to Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors. Mm, yes, yeah, that's season. very good. I tried, <coughs> I, I saw a few episodes of Ultimate Spider-Man. I, honestly, it it didn't quite connect with I me. like it. It's got the humour of Spider-Man just right for me. Yeah. Um, I was a big fan of Spectacular Spider-Man, which yeah, was the series terrible, before it, yeah. which got cancelled once Disney bought Marvel. Right. So obviously yeah. then Sony lost the TV rights to Spider-Man. Yeah, because Disney owned the TV rights. Sony owned the film rights, but Disney owned the TV rights. And I think because originally the voice of Spider-Man in Spectacular Spider-Man was going to be the voice on Avengers, and he recorded. And then because Ultimate Spider-Man was so popular, they re-recorded his. Do you mean when? Do you mean when Spider-Man appeared in the Avengers cartoon? Yeah, the Avengers cartoon. A few episodes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, They changed the voice. It was going to be the. Voice from Spectacular Spider-Man. I loved Spectacular Spider-Man. I thought it was super. I don't remember so much of that. And I thought that I was going to hate Ultimate because that's what killed Spectacular. Mm. Which was the one, the CGI one with Neil Patrick Harris? Oh, that was just um, Spider-Man, all new Spider-Man. Or was it Spider-Man Unlimited? No, Spider-Man Unlimited was the horrible, 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 loose continuation of the 90s Spider-Man series. But where he ends up going to like the planet of the symbiotes or or the one that was Counter-Earth, wasn't it? It was basically them trying to do Batman Beyond with Spider-Man, but instead of going Spider-Man 2099, it's a CGI one you're talking about. There was only around one season. Yeah, it had Kingpin in it, and it was Kingpin from... Daredevil. Yeah, it was actually uh, Michael Clark Duncan doing the voice. It was oh. superb, and it was—I think it was Neil Patrick Harris's Spider-Man. It was, I'm yeah. Right. Really and, good. Uh, they had a really um, good version of Electro, so much better than Amazing Spider-Man Two, which mm. I see has apparently forced Sony into a reboot situation. Yeah, because they're trying to do a deal with Marvel to. <laughs> oh, that, I, I don't get me started on those movies. Amazing yeah. Spider-Man One. I, I know you had your problems, yeah. but I really enjoyed it. Amazing Spider-Man Two, car crash. The problem, completely to go off track, the problem for me with Amazing (laughs) Spider-Man 2 is they made Gwen Stacy so likeable. They cast her perfectly. They had perfect chemistry together. But when, massive spoiler for Amazing Spider-Man 2, when they kill her, I think people just could not accept it. Even though you knew that that's Gwen Stacy's destiny, is that she was going to die. For them to just kill her, I think they could have done another film with Gwen Stacy. didn't make it quite like... 
I love in the comic that he's so just like, oh, Green Goblin, you have tossed it to one side. I will, I can save her. And then, oh, God. Mm. You know, whereas in that, he's already the horror of it about to happen. So when he makes it and then her back breaks, because it's her back rather than her neck, really, it's implied in the film, I felt. Well, I just thought didn't quite... there's the thump where her head... Oh, I yes, just assumed it was a head hit around the ground. Right, he hasn't but... got it quite quickly enough. Uh, it just it changed it enough. Um, uh, don't get me started on dubstep electro, but we are massively tangenting. Sorry, folks. Mm-hmm. That that Spider Man with Neil Patrick Harris was superb. I, it, was, I, I, it, was, it takes a little while to get used to the animation. Never... I really struggled with the animation for a little while because I watched Very it a lot later than when it was yeah. on telly. We think Brian Michael Bendis was heavily involved. Yes, in he was. Well, yeah, he's been involved in a couple of the incarnations. Yes, yes. Weirdly, just as a side thing, did anyone ever play Ultimate Spider Man on the GameCube? No. Which Brian Michael Bendis wrote. I, wasn't that also released on the PS2? I played it on that. I'm not, it's actually phenomenal. It's really yeah, good. Yeah, it's, and it's it actually kind of counts as canon. It is, because it counts as um, there's a later volume with, of the comic with Silver Sable, which directly carries on the events. Right. It's phenomenal. It's such good, good gameplay. Good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I'll try and. Like, Aven- Earth, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, a great characterization. Uh, they created a coherent story which wove in. Um, the Kree Scroll War, uh, uh, Loki, you know, Asgard, mm. um, whatever storylines do they have? Uh, the Masters of Evil. Uh, it was just, it was phenomenal. And I'm a massive Ant Man slash Giant Man fan, but he's a bit of a thorny character to deal with now on account of, you know, the domestic abuse storylines. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe he'll get a, maybe they'll do, he'll get a bit of a resurgence following the movie. Am I you a fan specifically of Hank Pym, though? Yes, weirdly. I know that sounds yeah. daft because, like, I I used to read. I, I have the um, essential editions of like the early sixties run, uh, so the black and white, very thin paper, kind of newsprint quality reprints of all the early Avengers stories. Okay. And um, I, I just I, I I love them to bits. I mean, it's so um, the beautiful Stanley Campy sixties, you know, golden uh, not golden age, silver age. Fun, but um, Ant- Hank Pym, Ant Man, Giant Man, Goliath, Yellow Jacket, whatever he he was such an integral part. Like well, the re- the reason I sort of phrased it that way is because, and you know, I, if we had production values in a, a sound desk, we would get to the point where we'd have certain audio cues like, "Oh crap, Man of Steel about to be referenced," or "Here we go, Ben talks about Kurt Busiek and George Perez's role in Avengers again." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we can. <laughs> 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 yeah, that basically. Yeah, but what, the way they handled because mm. one of the things Kurt Music seemed to do both in his Avengers run and in the, the Avengers Forever miniseries he did was try and mm. tidy up some that of the, the yeah. horrible mistakes made over the years with you know d- discontinuity in Avengers, and uh, he addressed the whole where's the fallout from some of the things Hank Pym has done because the comics would then crash onto the next mm. thing. And um, similarly, he tried to spend ages coming up with a good explanation for why it was Tony wasn't a kid anymore after Heroes Reborn. Yeah. And he kept putting it off and putting it off, it felt like, and then finally there's just just one bit (laughs) where they have a quick, like, a trial, and it was revealed they had it ages ago. They basically, Tony insists that they put him on trial, and he kind of goes, so, look, here's the thing, I remember killing a bunch of you guys, or a bunch (laughs) of Avengers, and I remember being a kid, and I remember being me, and how can this be possible? Like, eh. Franklin Richards. Yeah. And eh, you seem fairly sorry about it. And ultimately, we knew Kang was brainwashing you. We found out. So we'll just let it slide. Yeah. Going, what? <laughs> but anyway, um, the, the way he dealt with the sort of whole yellow jacket, mm. like, persona. And in Avengers Forever, of course, you've got two Hank Pims for your money. You've got yeah. a Hank Pym who is 
modern day guilt ridden. Yeah, and then you've got the in the full throes of the Yellow Jacket breakdown. Yeah, fantastic. I, and I, I just love it, and I love the idea um, of. I almost feel it's a shame now because I think the character has almost been sullied beyond repair. Does this mean you won't embrace the movie because it's Scott Lang? No, God, no, I will. Because Hank yeah. still in it. Of course. Yeah, no, I, think, I mean that's the smartest way to do it. I think it's heartbreaking that we will never see. I think there is a story or a, a movie or something which will probably never get made, which well, is... I don't a, know, because they are casting a young Hank Pym. And I of think, course, because the rumours are now that Agent Carter is going to say Agent Carter. may jump decades ahead. Oh, well, because I, I think somewhere out there there is a charming reboot of the original Ant-Man and the Wasp to be had, where it's like it, it could be a kind of retro-futuristic, out-of-canon, out-of-continuity, but it's them... Slightly singing, swinging sixties socialite and a scientist, like husband and wife, loving couple, crime fighting. I think there is a charming story to be told there, and I don't think we'll ever see Marvel, it. Marvel, if you are listening, he is available. <laughs> I am available, but oh if you are planning a new fifty-two star reboot, get out <laughs> because we don't want it in our Marvel universe. Um, uh, Age of Onslaught, uh, you know the Onslaught saga. Not generally regarded as one of the high points of nineties no. comics, but I have a real soft soft spot for it. And there some is, bits of it. The, there is the Alpha and Omega one shots that yeah. start it look beautiful. There is a heartbreaking moment where, spoilers, Onslaught, uh, Onslaught's physical body has been destroyed. It's 20 I years know, old almost now. It's funny to say spoilers. I'm so out of this, so I never okay. really read Marvel comics. Uh, <laughs> look, in a nutshell, uh, Xavier got it's very like order. Xavier got very <laughs> angry in the 90s wiped Magneto's mind a little seed of Magneto's mind got stuck in Xavier's created a psychic entity called Onslaught who was a being of pure psychic energy who had both of Xavier and Magneto's powers and he broke and free dark sides basically yeah it? it was all of their rage and malice and frustration magnified it was actually it was some beautiful moments in there and basically he gets stronger and stronger and stronger he absorbs Franklin Richards he gets his reality well it'd been going powers. on for about a year or two mm. in the X-Men comics just building the things really sinister, revealed yeah. to be on so yeah it was pretty, pretty terrifying he absorbs Nick Grey yeah. he gets, gets stronger and stronger the Avengers get involved everyone gets involved and but he actually has like Professor X Franklin Richards and Nate Grey trapped inside yeah, him yeah like a little dimension yeah. inside him but then um, they blow up his body and he becomes a being of pure psychic energy yeah, and right, they're like <laughs> and they're like, and now, how how do we hurt him? He's almost insufferable. So he needs a body. Like, if he had a body, we could, we could kill the body. And Thor goes, well, and throws himself into Onslaught. And it's not enough. Yeah. So all the heroes start sacrificing themselves, throwing themselves in. And um, Hulk has tried to, like, Hulk yeah. and him have fought to a start. Oh I, think that's what, so cool. I think that's what shatters the body, isn't it? Yeah. Hulk, Hits him and hits him and hits him until the, it's the he's wearing a version of Magneto's armor, and um, there's that wonderful Magneto's bit where he has to go up to Jean Grey and go, "I've got, I've got, managed yeah. to reconcile Hulk and Banner, yeah. but you now need to turn Banner off." So this Hulk is the nineties when yeah, the madder Hulk gets, the stronger he gets, and he can't do that while I'm still when I mean, the two of us actually, are in. I maintain there's actually something quite meta going on there because you have Onslaught, the pinnacle of nineties comic storytelling, and you have the Hulk, uh, who is nineteen sixty three. A pioneer of the Silver Age of comics, and he goes to Jean Grey, and he goes, "I need you to go into my head and turn and Banner make off." Me, yeah. And she goes inside his head, and his and Banner's subconscious is like this roaring storm. And she goes, "Okay, um, I, I think I, I think I'm through." Uh, I go, "Who's Betty?" He goes, "Never mind that, just carry on." <laughs> and he goes, uh, "I think it's worked, Doctor Banner. Can you hear me?" And you just see the Hulk, like just just, and it's a pure animalistic Hulk. And he just turns around and goes, "Like Banner is 
puny and, and then he runs in and fights onslaught and my god it's one of the coolest moments i've ever read in a comic where they're beating the crap out of each other the ever loving crap out of each other yeah, no, this is still in my long box so yeah i have to visit this out and um onslaught just keeps growing bigger and he, he smacks hulk around the head and he pins hulk down and he goes he says man mutant or god none will survive the onslaught and he goes tell me did i forget anyone and you just see hulk and he's like the muscles in his neck are like ropes his eyes are glowing red and he goes only one and, and the immortal line hulk is the strongest there is and punches him and it destroys onslaught's yeah. body and the but then they really the yeah. resulting psychic energy separates hulk and banner into two, two people. unconscious bodies and there's this wonderful moment of so everyone has sacrificed themselves and they've been they've the X-Men aren't allowed to go in because a mutant gene because will a mutant gene will allow him to first fester within and be reborn. Um, I think Scarlet Witch is able to go in because she does something to her powers to sort of make it that she's not a mutant temporarily. And, uh, <coughs> and, and, and it's teetering on the edge when yeah. suddenly Banner awakens, sees what's going on and throws himself into Maelstrom leaving Hulk still unconscious. Yeah. And then they all get swept up like Franklin saves them all in Puts the Energy Born universe, universe. And just yeah. sits there with a blue ball that he, he knows his universe on which is level. Yeah, which is his bouncy oh, ball. Superb. But, and, yeah. uh, but the beautiful thing about that moment is and it really did feel like that's kind of something significant. It's only to like my young self reading. Well, it was significant. Marvel had handed the keys to the kingdom. They'd handed their Avengers franchise, which at that time wasn't doing too well, and the Fantastic Four, to the image guys. Mm, yeah, the guys who only back, a few yeah. years previously had spurned them and walked away. Yeah. yeah. Superb. But it's just, the thing I love about that is you, it, it actually feels a bit like a death. Like, yeah. I, I, you know, it, it, but it's moments where everyone thinks they're sacrificing themselves by throwing themselves to their death. And you see in their death, you see everyone's pure character yeah. like um, it's the 90s it's been kind of grim it feels like a kind of spiritual drawing a line under it it was so colourful as yeah. well that's what I remember about that final because that's the the onslaught one shot that ends it all yeah and it's I think illustrated by one of the Cubers, but I could be it wrong it is yeah and it's so colourful yeah. compared to some of the grim 90s Punisher and Daredevil yeah. and everything else but it's like Thor of course sacrifices himself first without even thinking about it and then you've got Ben and Johnny uh, thing and yeah. torch and um, Ben's just like uh, you know another job for uh, was it Mar Mar Grimm's uh, <laughs> yeah. little boy goes you with me Johnny and they just they just dive in and then like they all start sacrificing themselves and like you see Doom because Doom is there because Doom was helping them and this is back when Doom actually acted like a Shakespearean character he was amazing yeah. and he just goes He's just looking at it going like uh, awe-inspiring. He goes like, that doom could control such power. And Iron Man just rugby tackles him uh, into it and goes, it's a new concept for you, Victor. It's sacrifice. <laughs> and him and Hawkeye just jump in. And then you see Hank Pym, a giant man, who's just like going like, okay, Hank, you know, time to finally make up for every damn mistake you've made in your life. And then the wasp flies up, his divorced wife, who, of course, he had all the domestic abuse things and everything. And she, at this point in continuity, she's actually mutated into a kind of wasp lady. Yeah, it was fairly horrific. Sadly. Yeah, and he just goes to like jump in, and, and then she goes, "Whoa, Hank, wh- what are you doing?" As he goes, "Janet, oh, I have to." He goes, "I'm so sorry, like for everything." And it's like this is the '90s. It's so grim. And then it just that you see this little moment of recognition in her face, and just for that moment, she utters like properly '60s cheesy dialogue, and she goes like, "Well, hang on, high pockets, you can't go without me," and that's what. And then they both just charge in. It's so beautiful. And uh, and then the last thing is you see Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman, and they stand in front of it, and they go four, two, one, and they jump in, and it's just oh, it's beautiful. Shivers, it was amazing. It was fab. 
How did we get onto Onslaught? I, can't I have remember. no idea. No. Yeah, yeah, we totally <laughs> started the whole podcast again. Right, so let's get back around. Stuart, what? give us a TV yes, series. Let's, let's, let's stick with the theme of comic book TV series. Then. Okay. I, got a, I got a few I wrote down. Um, Human Target. <laughs> oh, oh, my life! TV yeah. series that I love with... Um, What's his face? The Rorschach, Watchmen. Um, yes, and... Um, Bally. Um, he was in a couple Mark, of episodes Mark of Fringe. Valley. Mark Valley, yeah. Um, oh, Chee McBride. Yes, Chee McBride. Yeah. The wonderful Chee McBride. The first series of that was brilliant. The second series, when they brought in the female character, oh, I guess God. there was somebody in the studio exec was just kind of... There's too many what, dicks in this program. What's her face from Torchwood? Yes. Oh, um, oh. Her what was a Roman in Torchwood. Well, and she was also in the wonderful Luther, of course. Um, I can't think of a name, but they brought her in. That series, the second series, had a great ending where um, Human Target jumps off the roof with her, and it should have ended there, so you never actually found out. But then they show you that they didn't actually jump off the roof and all this stuff. But that was a really, really good series, I thought, and that got cut short. I've got Birds of Prey. Indira Varma, and it was Jackie Earl Haley, of course. Yes. That, was, yeah, that was superb. I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, two seasons with Bear McCreary doing the music in the first season but he got poached for because I've got the first season on DVD they never released the second season did they not That's which, which, yeah, which is, is a, was a good series it was it was really good and it was it reminds it's me, different to the human target comic in many ways but it is it's very different very different but but the basics of the concept did you ever see just quickly the pilot for Global Frequency. No. Oh, no, I didn't that's know. That's superb. No. And it reminded me a little bit of that. Um, I mean, that's Michelle Forbes' Miranda Zero, and it works really well. You know, the, the whole idea of, okay, this Global Frequency network exists, and anyone could be called, any expert could be summoned, mm. and some are regularly and secretly involved, and they just have a phone they have to answer, and have a very dedicated ringtone for it. To make it more of a TV series, they had two leads, one of which was an established frequent operative and one was someone new and mm. so on and so forth but the the theory was that we would ultimately establish a show where you knew that only Miranda Zero and her assistant were the main cast really and if anyone got too big for their boots between seasons oh it's fantastic it just, I'm such a shame it wasn't picked up yeah um, but yeah Human Target Thunder I only saw a few episodes of that Human Target I mm. really really liked yeah. I, again I watched it because I was a big fan of do you remember the TV series Keen Eddie no that had Mark Valley in it and um, Sienna Miller that was superb and I, I was a fan of him from that but, but that's not really genre that's he's an American cop that gets sent to London to work it had Colin Salmon in it as well okay. I know Mark Valley from Fringe of course he was in the yeah, early in the first couple of seasons that wasn't yeah. he yeah. Yeah. Well, who was he in Fringe he's he was a um, boyfriend wasn't well, yeah, he yeah what's her name's uh, oh Olivia Olivia Dunham Dunham's yeah. thank you partner uh, slash boyfriend in oh, the he, first he season got all, um, he's the one that got Caught like up jelly, it. jellified yeah like the and they had one. to yeah. kind of they had this weird thing of baking some LSD and putting them in submersion tanks to put her into his mind yes um, to you know kind of find out some bits and pieces and then that left her with kind of repeated oh, viewing yes, visions of, of him yeah, throughout yeah, the first yeah. season but it sort of melted away and it was one of those ones where it had been foreshadowed slightly in that they said, look, you know, over time, because it's not like he's really there, mm. you know, it's that some of his latent memories have filtered through, um, you know, it, but it just seemed to get dropped. And it seemed to, like, obviously, from a contractual point of view, his complete vanishing from Fringe coincided with Human, human Target, target yeah, starting. Mm. But it was a shame in a way. 
I would have liked to have seen him ret- once Human Target was cancelled I wouldn't have minded like a one episode wrap up of that maybe <laughs> that plot line but never mind wasn't Fringe a funny one like is I enjoy it. I, I still need to finish watching it I got I two series Fringe. in but it's like it's kind of good but you're like oh it's a bit like X-Files and then you suddenly realise what it's about and you're like oh wow like, yeah. what a slow build and yeah, the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The whole idea of the pattern and all the crazy things, like, okay, yeah, it's like X-Files, uh, you know, two people investigating and crazy stuff. And then suddenly you realise that it's about, you know, parallel dimensions and time travel. And Oh, yeah. And that moment Fringe where was one I watched about four or five episodes of the first series, then for whatever reason, I just had to make a choice of what I, I was mm. going to continue taping this programme to watch or... And I sacrificed Fringe. They did a good job of, like, they built the technology of this world in such a way where it felt so plausible. So when they, yeah. actu- when they actually... Did you, how far did you get? Sorry, I, I finished two seasons. Okay. So they'd already gone into... Because I would be interested to see if you rage quit at one season like my housemates at the time did. Yeah. They rage quit when there was a point where they had a spirit bell which you could ring to bring someone's ghost... In. And it was there was uh, more plausibility yeah. to it than that I felt, but not. But ultimately, it was science fiction babbly nonsense. And um, some beautiful moments of um, who who played Walter Bishop, um, the actor. Oh God, no. he's just become a series regular in Sleepy Hollow. Sleepy Hollow, yes. Um, um, well, he's he's in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, well, like he's really he's really, he's really good as an actor. And, oh, he's uh, absolutely. He's really good in Sleepy Hollow. As well. be- I mean, it's a really good moment where he's super. Uh, Sleep Hollow season two. His, his character turn in the f- end of the first season. Is, I've not seen any of the second season yet. Okay. It starts this week. Be but, careful um, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen no. season one. Of course, I know. Normally, I'm like, oh, 20 years ago, but this is it's, it's an actively ongoing show that people. Are but his, his character, his character development over the first series is superb to the point where. John Noble. I didn't see it coming. John Noble, yeah. Sorry, the wonderful John Noble. No, I didn't see it. It was super. And then I was worried that it wouldn't stand up to scrutiny. Like, if I watched back season one, would the... Re- you know, sometimes you watch it. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Famously, I always cite Smallville with um, Jensen Ackles. You've got that whole season of Jensen of Smallville where Jensen Ackles is fighting against... His character is fighting against his mum to protect Lana from some weird possession cult thing. Yeah. And they have at one point an argument between him and his mum with no other character around. So the only people, like presence of this argument are the audience where he basically is like I will protect her from you blah 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 really sells us on the idea that he is genuinely fighting against his mum and then at the end of the season he suddenly realizes he's been working for his mum all along and tries to sell her out you know who was that scene for yeah. now admittedly I believe it's cause he got cast in Supernatural so he quit so they had to quickly rewrite it there was, but unless that was the season that Christopher Reeve died wasn't it mm. I believe originally it was supposed to be that Christopher Reeve was going to turn out to be the villain right but then, because he died, it was going to be Margot, Margot Kidder as his Margot nurse, Kidder. Yeah. who was, was going to turn out to be the villain, and she refused because she thought it was disrespectful to Christopher Reeve that his character would have been a villain. Okay. So, and then they had to... Well, yeah, they kept the idea that Doctor Swan was good, but I just... They, they had to rewrite it. Even then, it, it very much felt like, hang on, so at one stage, these two actors, two characters have had this argument that is only for the benefit of the audience and not themselves, and that's infuriating. Yeah. That was a weird arc with his character anyway, because yeah. it just, like you say, it was just all of well, a sudden, it's like, you know that? The, the, the all-American not Clark, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. He was portrayed as... And, um, you know, and then obviously Supernatural got cast, and I think ultimately the Jensen Ackles did the best out of that whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, um, yes, anyway. We were, no, we, I think we finished on Fringe. Human well, yes. Target and Chi yeah, McBride, yeah. it's good to move on to Pushing Daisies. Oh, I love Pushing, Pushing Daisies. Daisies. I adored Pushing Daisies. So it was just, good. it was such a pure TV so, series. So there was no, nothing else. There was no overcomplicated story arcs, it was just. 
it was just a beautiful piece of television. I absolutely loved it. it I still, every time I see like keeping up with the Kardashians advertised as being on telly, it's kind of they fucking got rid of pushing days in this shit. Still I would go, go as far as to say it was so good it was doomed to fail. Oh yeah, it, it was. It I was, was amazing. Too, it got picked up for yeah, a second series. It was series. so weird. It's well, like, because like only a season or so beforehand, hadn't there been Wonderfuls, which for me mind some similar sort of ideas. Oh, Lucy, Lucy loves Wonderfuls. Yeah, only around Lucy, and yet it yeah. never. Yeah. Wonderfuls, I'd never know to bring myself to really click to. Pushing Daisies won me over, <laughs> despite being. I never saw Wonderfuls. Pushing Daisies, the characters were just perfect as well. They were. Was the um, presentation? Lee Pace. The wonderful Lee Pace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, recently, with Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Galaxy yes, oh, who's in Guardians of the Galaxy? He's Roman. Roman. Really? Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> Flipping heck. I know. I completely unrecognised. Yeah. I know. I knew he was in Guardians of the Galaxy, and then Ronan came on. I was like, who's playing He's Roman? also in The Hobbit, of course, as one of the elves. Yes. Ah, no, I haven't seen the second one. He's uh, a dick okay, in well, the I Hobbit. I think he's in the first one briefly, <laughs> isn't he? Or am I wrong? He's definitely no, in the second one. Not until the second one. Because yes, he's, he's a dick elf, isn't he? He's an arsehole, yes. He's an elf hole. It's like, you know, you've got the wood elf. Damn it, where is Peter Sevenage from here? What a bunch of elf holes. <laughs> the wood elves. The mountain elves. The um, dick elves. See, now I've just got that whole thing from Black Books. The Fran. <laughs> <laughs> I'm coming, Fran. <laughs> Fran, I'm coming. <laughs> Sorry. This ruined the shipping forecast for me. Oh, yeah, I happen to randomly see the clip of the bomb disposal robot bit from the crowd. <laughs> Someone on my newsfeed posted that there'd been some Apple advert or something to move. The two from the crowd in it. Yeah. She was like, oh, god damn it. In the face of all of this iPhone nonsense, you go and do that, and now I want one because they're so wonderful because of how much I love the crowd. And I went Googling for it on YouTube and couldn't find anything. So maybe it's a radio ad, or maybe no one's put it up, or, or something. But instead, it went. I think it is a radio ad. Did you mean this um, bomb disposal robot clip? No, no but I, I love that bit. <laughs> I've not seen it. No. Have you not seen the bomb disposal no, robot? No, I don't know. There's a bit where they're just walking back from having bunked off. They find this robot in the street and the whole office has been evacuated. They're all behind the line and, you know, no, completely oblivious. Ooh, ooh, a robot. Can I keep it? And then they sort of look up and put it all together. I think it's a bomb disposal robot. Oh, <laughs> get away from the robot. And the robot then freezes, and the bomb disposal robot guy from all the way back is like, oh, hang on, I just need to reboot it. It's like, uh, what operating system have you got? Vista. We're going to die! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely nailed it. I just love <laughs> having nearly thrown a computer out the window because of how much Vista yeah. annoyed me. Um, that was at the old shop as well, so that would have been a big window to break. Um, that was, uh, yeah, I love that. I get that reference. I'm going, we're going to die. <laughs> anyway, uh, again, talking about shows that were actually successful and naturally ended rather than what we should be talking about, shows cut short. Although the US pilot failed. <laughs> well, I'm not surprised. Yes, well. Um, did you see it? I did not, no. I just couldn't bring myself to watch it after seeing clips of the US Red Dwarf. Well, Richard Iota is fab in it, of course, and everything else is awful. He's pretty much exactly the same character, isn't he? Yeah. So. It's just Moss. It's as if Moss had been sent to work in the States. Yeah. And happened to fall into the same thing. And in fact, if they'd made that the thing, 
I think yeah, that would have been better. Might yeah, have carried like it is still Moss, and it's so it's not just a, a, an American version; it's a sequel series. Yeah, fab. Maybe giving it a go. A bit like they did with Primeval. Yeah, because then you could have made whole new characters with different twists. Like what which was, was a show that was cancelled. <laughs> yes, but it would have been funny if you know just ridiculous things like gender switches. So have a you know the the gormless smarmy male character who's in to run the office and is their relationship manager, and then you know. A female computer nerd would have been superb. Yeah. Or even a couple of computer nerds. Anyway, change the format a little bit <laughs> and keep them. Um, sticking with comic book ones, as you mentioned, Young Justice. Young Justice superb. was fantastic. There seemed to be a weird period where cartoons only ran for two seasons. Or mm. if you're Beware the Batman, three episodes. Yeah. Shocking. Desperate Did, did they scream more in America before it was... No, no, that was it. Three episodes. I think they put them on DC Nation online. They did possibly, like, yeah. They did this horrible thing. Well, because because they did it and they then put the comics out and I went brilliant. A new we're just starting a, a dedicated separate kids section mm. um, and a new Batman comic focused on a uh, potentially hit new Batman anime series. So I'll order a bunch and then we just had loads of this. Hey, yeah, we've got this kids Batman comic from a show you're never going to see. Yeah, brilliant. It was a weird Thanks, one because that's the first Batman series they've had an issue with because Batman the Animated Series ran I would have much rather Batman the Animated Series just ran and ran but they, oh, yeah, was, so they got bored of it and went to Superman instead and then Batman Beyond mm. but well, that had four had seasons you had The, the Batman, Batman which, which I hated I wasn't a massive fan of but that ran for about five seasons you had um, Batman yeah. Brave and the Bold which Best thing I can say, is man. actually really quite good fun that ran for five seasons and then you had Beware the Batman that they just mm. well, Beware the had no confidence in to, it. to focus on new villains yeah and like so, we had the first appearance of Professor Pig outside of Grandma. Yes, so superb. I'm not sure quite how they were going to get away with Dog Trump or the kids. Comics yeah, I, am, kids I th- my understanding was he was more of a kind of um, eco terrorist kind of thing, oh, right. less animal rights terrorist, less and less of a I'm going to do DIY surgery <laughs> on people with <laughs> um, your face up, less human centipede too, and more kind of yeah. Um, but yeah, like, but, uh, Young Justice and like Earth's Mightiest Heroes. I remember watching both of them kind of simultaneously. Um, both very good. Um, Felt like we'd entered a new golden age of yeah, superhero animation. Production like, values that, of um, the animation in Young Justice was much, much higher. And some of the though. revelations as well. Some of the story beats, like the he whole... Did, yeah. the, the, um, not Red Arrow. Artemis? Speedy. Oh, Speedy, yeah. Speedy that refuses to... Jo- no, not even Speedy. Who is it? Who is the Green Arrow psychic who refuses to join? He's just pissed at well, me. He is Speedy, but doesn't he start calling himself Red, Red Arrow? Arrow. Yeah. yeah, and he storms yeah. away, and then it's revealed to be an android, and not the real one. Yeah, I'd almost forgotten about some of that. Superb. That was weird. Oh, and also, like... Did you see the second season? No, I ne- they never screened Had a it. whole alien invasion plotline thing. Yeah. Was, oh, it's fantastic. Um, sort of an arc throughout the whole season. I mean, it was arc stories. Li- little turns of phrase as well. Like, um, Robin always had... He was obsessed with... Um, like, if, if something was a disaster, he was obsessed with wordplay. So he was always saying, like, if that's a disaster, it's just an aster. Yes. You know, and little that. throwaway jokes they always return to, like that. It was really good. Um, I, I thought Young Justice was superb. It sort of came off the bat. They experimented with Superman and the Legion of Superheroes, which I think ran for one season and mm. was never saw that one. a mixed bag, to say the least. And then they sort of. Young Justice was weird. It was a cartoon that felt like it was for adults, but very kid friendly. Mm. It almost. The bizarre thing was, it's like the animation was so good, the writing was so good. I almost was thinking, I'm really enjoying this, but why are they not doing a Justice League with this production team? Yeah. But like, um. Because you had Bruce, up to it. You yeah. had Bruce Greenwood as Batman, who was superb as yeah. Batman. 
Um, and they brought Guardian in for a couple of the, of um, the, the I think he did a couple of animated movies. Yeah. I don't know if he did those first and then they brought him into as Batman I'm and Neil. Sure. They seem to be favouring Jason O'Mara at the moment in the yeah. animated movies. Um, what's going to say? Um, Peter David wrote a few episodes. Yeah. And they were so. I, I love Peter David so much. But like, it was just so well plotted for a season as well. Mm, it wasn't. Yes, yes, Peter David. We all love Peter David until he starts to rant about. The reasons X Factor was cancelled. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't. No, week. he had a massive sort of that, rant that's about not, that's not X Factor that's clogging up your TV. Every no, 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 no. <laughs> the, the, the all new X Factor comic he said had been cancelled because has that been cancelled? It has. Uh, trade sales are fantastic, but the comic sales are down, and oh. he criticised comic buyers for trade waiting. And it was like, surely the problem then is that the industry <sighs> isn't more prepared to do original graphic novels of the st- like. Yeah, if people if. Your consumers are telling you they want a product in a certain format. Maybe it's taking it away from them because they won't first buy it. In a, yeah. That's almost like going, well, hang on, no. You're telling us you want a TV series of this, but if you won't take a movie, you're actually, they do that all the time. Um, yeah. but no, so <laughs> if you said, I will only buy Jaffa Gate if they come in packs of three, proceeding to continually give them the little tiny packs of six mini ones, you go, yeah. no, it's that or nothing, and being surprised when Jaffa Cake sales are down. Sorry, Jaffa Cakes, aren't they great? Um, probably the case. Get obsessed with Jaffa No, I did, well, I did not know that, but no, I, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it was a bit, a bit yeah. of a shame because I think he's done so well over the last couple of years, particularly with the health scare. Well, the, not even the health scare; he had an awful turn of health. We did, and has fought back wonderfully. Um, and I think the man is fantastic. But it's again one of those moments of sometimes celebrity. Or we all need to take a breath and step away from social media before we say something we can't take back. Mm. So yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I mean, it's or on a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm waving for the viewers. At home. <laughs> viewers. There's so many, uh, just the Young Justice thing, there's so many really nice bits, like, because um, Captain Marvel was a recurring character in it, who, uh, mm. the DC Captain Marvel, who's, of course, a 10-year-old boy. Shazam! Yeah. And it's the fact that, like, they, there's a random crossover episode where they team up with the Justice League, and then Captain Marvel never goes home, and, like, he just keeps hanging out with them. Yeah, and, with like, the young and it's like, well, he's like a, he looks like a... 30, 40 year old superhero yeah. but it's like a 10 year old boy so the 10 year old boy is like oh my god these teenagers are really cool I want to hang out with them and it's just like it's such a nice little character moment where he's always getting Kid Flash drinks like Kid Flash is just like kind of ordering around and he's just like his manservant just grabbing <laughs> him food and drinks I think stuff. I never quite got again tangent that's what we seem to do best not being as much into DC as I am into Marvel mm-hmm. some versions of Captain Marvel seem to almost be like he's becoming a completely different personality. Yeah. Different version. And others are, yes, like a 10 year old boy is driving a 34 year old superhero man suit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, sometimes yeah, sometimes it's big and sometimes it's. Yeah. yeah. The Tom Hanks film big. Why do you yeah, think like Yeah, this? exactly. There's, different, like there's different ways of doing it. Like, because I think, um, oh, I can't remember the guy who did it, but there, there was a series, a little mini, like a one off graphic novel called um, Shazam or something, and it was um, the guy who did um, Bone. The gra- uh, the oh Smith- yes, the Jeff Smith one. The Jeff Smith version, yeah. yeah. And in that, when Billy Batson is taken to the Rock of Eternity and meets the wizard Shazam, you should keep talking. I'll be back in a sec. Okay. Uh- <laughs> Damn it! Why the linchpin? Shazam! You were talking about Shazam. Put little girl to a hole, Stu. We can't do this without you. No, uh, yeah. Um, and he goes to the Rock of Eternity and he meets Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel is almost, as you say, like a separate entity who has had host bodies throughout time. Oh. And he's like, and the wizard Shazam is like, uh, you know, oh, Captain Meat, 
Billy Baxton. I think he'd That's be kind of, cause like yeah. Captain. Uh, this is going to sound really weird. Captain Planet. I yes. Can hear, I can almost hear Stuart laughing from the other room. But Captain Planet is a separate personality that isn't made up of the five personalities no, that no. summon him. And so, yeah, sometimes it's not like Captain Marvel. As mm. you say, it's like an avatar that is a separate personality that kind of Billy Batson allows him becomes, to become yeah. sort of, sort so, have some space. But I think in like the new, the new New 52, it's very much like he is a kid who gets struck. Certainly and then he's, come like, across, he, he's yeah. in an adult body. Which, weirdly, I feel... Yes, all right, it gives you some drama beats of a fish out of water and all the big... As, as Stuart was saying, the, the sort of big style stuff. Mm. Or um, was it 13 going on 30? Whichever is yeah. the one with Jennifer Garner and the, the Savage Schwab and things. Um, which was, I believe, a remake as well. It also just seems a bit twee. Well, Mike, like, I'm sure it probably yeah. re- like it, well, almost I, like it should be aimed at a younger audience because oh hey, you know you all mm. fan size like kids always want the benefits that come from being older. Like, yeah, I see it all the time with, with kiddo. Like you know he's eight going on nine. He doesn't want the early bedtimes that come with being younger. He doesn't want the lack of money that comes with being younger. But he also doesn't want any of the responsibility that comes with being older. older. Yeah, and so on and so I think there's some real good drama to be fun drama to be mindful mm. of that but it, Captain Marvel is always because he's so chuffing annoying in the early New 52 stuff well like, yeah oh my I God. think that's the issue and it's like I, I, I mean, it's why I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of the New 52 really but I like the Flashpoint well, I was yeah. hoping that post the New 52 reboot they would keep the Flashpoint version of Shazam where it was it was a bunch of kids who five or six yeah. kids who joined together each one of them represented one of the, the uh, letters of yeah. the, make the acronym Shazam I would, I would love like again, of which I spent years reading comics without realising Shazam was an acronym I just thought it was a magic word we see like there are many there are many things dream projects I'd like to work on but I'd love to do the work on Captain Marvel I truthfully would because I think there's something about the very concept which is so inherently stupid but wonderful at the same time it's like it goes right back to the golden age of comics where it's like proper wish fulfillment it doesn't have to be you don't have to explain it with radiation it doesn't have to be explained with technology it's pure magic you say a magic word you become a superhero and I think my favourite incarnation and again surprise surprise it comes from a Grant Morrison thing was when no really yeah I know <laughs> when Captain Marvel popped up in Morrison's run on JLA yes and in that they make, they, they explain how it how I think Morrison sees it as working where it's not the mind of a kid inhabiting the body of an adult. It's not, uh, I guess, like a, him being possessed by yeah. a different being. It's simply, it is like a young boy says a magic word, a word, word kind of speaking now, and transforms into a kid's version an idealised version of an adult, of a adult superhero. Yeah, to the point where... That yeah. was the one... Yes, there yeah. I remember. Oh, and also That's Superman Beyond, really when he okay. pops up. I yeah. mocked you with O'Reilly for Grant Morrison, but yeah, yeah, that was perfect. And it's like... Because that yeah. says stuff, that speaks to kids as well. It is worth picturing your idealised adult version and working towards that. Yeah, and rather than then saying, well, Captain Marvel's unrealistic because he has because he's... But, but, but then you realise, well, maybe I've failed as an adult because this is how kids think adults should be where they are yeah it feels like this amazing version of almost like the time traveler's wife where what they don't tell him yeah is that when you get to 34 you will periodically enter a fugue state because you're 34 year old or whatever yeah your equivalent, your equivalent age then is pulled is, back yeah in time to become yeah. yourself then and so you are just completely 
you know, and so actually your later life is ruined. Yeah. And you don't notice at the time. No one sells you that this is part of it. And that's why someone could only be Captain Marvel for a while. Let's do this, yeah. John. Let's get yes. it done. Well, it's like in, um, there's a great moment in, in, Je- in DC, we're pitching <laughs> you a new Captain Marvel book. We're get coming the, for you. Get Jeff Johns out of the door. Was yeah. that in um in uh, the JLA? Thing? And Jeff Johns going, ah, you don't have the copyright. On that. Yeah, no, but you can't even call it Captain Marvel. <laughs> Screw you. Oh, it's yeah. like it's like how there's like a new Fifty Two brainstorming session. How do we reinvent Captain Marvel? Give him a hood. <laughs> but yeah, oh, but it's like um. But if if Frank Miller's a all star Batman and Robin taught us anything, it's that a hood is just something that a bad guy can grab onto to knee you in the face. Uh, the new season of Doctor Who, of course, just quickly has seen Danny Pink head desking quite a lot to the point yeah. where actually the poor guy managed to give himself a bit of an injury. He had to have his forehead iced because he bashed the head oh, desk so hard. Dedication, though. you know, commitment to the bit, and. Um, I just feel like I just need an animated GIF of Danny Pink head desking every time something new in the new yeah. fifty-two annoys me. Was that website has DC done anything stupid today? Yes, and all it does that, is that, give you. A that, I don't even to need to now yeah. know what it is they've done. I just need to log in, and it says yes, yes. <laughs> there was a brilliant commode uncut where it was all about him, him getting up, getting himself a coffee, sitting down, turning on his laptop, and then it just had Michael Bay making Transformers Four, <laughs> and it just proceeds for about two minutes of him just smashing his face into his laptop. <laughs> Um, that that's kind of how I feel like with everything I read about Batman v Superman or whatever they're calling it. That's how I feel like when people say to me, "You're going to see turtles," and I'm like, "No, guys, I'm sorry, but when you've been in an abusive relationship with someone <laughs> yeah. and they keep hurting you, when you finally break free, you don't go back." And that's why I haven't seen Transformers Four and why I haven't seen Turtles. Transformers, I just Turtles, one thing I need to see it. <laughs> Mm. I, well, I certainly I won't pay any money to see it. I'll see it on Netflix yeah. if it's eventually on. No, no extra money to see I, it. I think I, I think I need. To, I think I just need to know. I'm like Jeff Goldblum in Independence Day. Everybody else is going down to the basement. I just gotta see it. <laughs> <laughs> and instead of naming, I know it might kill me. Michael Bay's anus <laughs> filling the sky. <laughs> <laughs> with Zack Snyder coming in over the other <laughs> but it's that, that's the chain yeah. Transformers 1 I was hurt yeah. Transformers 2 we got invited to a preview screening and I went thinking well even if I hate it at least <laughs> it's I not going to hurt me twice I can have an informed opinion about why I hated it rather than saying yeah. I hated the first one and I hated it the third one <laughs> I just remember I got invited yeah. to a preview screening again and I went do you know what I'm going to give it a shot and I hated it and worse the first about 25 minutes of Transformers 3 are quite good and then Spike Witwicky's parents turn up and it all takes a nosedive again what I love about Transformers 3 is the uh Transformers go off, fake their death, an entire city is decimated, <laughs> then they come back and kind of, so what's been going on? <laughs> no, 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 we weren't dead, we were just hiding, we were watching shit happen. I just remember you guys it. handled that really badly. I, just quickly, <laughs> I fell asleep during the preview screening for the third one, and then again, because of course I got invited to the preview screening, fuck it, it doesn't matter, um, I'm not wasting any money. I fell asleep, and I woke up, and it was still... Battle at Los Angeles yeah. with Transformers in it. And I went, I haven't missed anything. Wait, what have I missed? And about a second or two later, I went, ah, oh, so Leonard Nimoy's character has betrayed them all, which was not remotely badly foreshadowed by the, oh, this is the episode of Star Trek where Spock turns evil <laughs> from early on from one of the two annoying and offensive robots. So it was just <laughs> like, yeah. when someone told me that Michael Bay gets plot and story and theme in a way a lot of modern filmmakers <laughs> Like, the fact that I managed not to have a full breakdown into apoplectic rage yeah. at the point 
No, so I can't bring myself to watch Transformers 4, and I certainly won't be watching Turtles, even though he didn't direct Turtles. His grubby yeah, fingerprints his dirty, over, right, and yeah. his dirty shed hair is all over it. But weirdly, I watched The Rock the other day, I watched Armageddon again the other day, and I was like, Michael Bay used to make films I really enjoyed. What's that one with um, with The Rock, with uh, Dwayne Johnson and Mark Wahlberg? Recently the Pain and oh, Gain. Pain was and that Michael Bay? That was Michael Bay. That was the, that was the deal thing, where if um, Wahlberg starred in Michael Bay's passion project, which was Pain and Gain, he'd given the lead in Transformers 4. See, because that... I will say I'm prepared. It's almost like the abuse, more like a threat. The abusive relationship, yeah, right? The abusive relationship thing is Michael Bay and '80s properties. I loved, yeah. I think. Whereas I will give Pain and Gain a go at some point because there was the other one as well with. Um, Andy when, watched Pain and Gain and said it's just horribly misogynistic. Oh, and, is it? Oh, it's, yeah. it's got all the misogynistic problems that Michael Bay's Transformers film. Well, oh, have you guys seen um, Wolf of Wall Street? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? No. I still <laughs> I don't know. I really wanted to, and I just there was just something about it. I just couldn't root That's for any of the characters. It's horrific, and they're all horrible people, but there were points where I was laughing my ass off. Mm. The only bit I really laughed my ass off was when he'd taken the drugs and he's trying to get back to his car, and then he thinks he's got home safely, and then the police... <laughs> I think again, <laughs> I have to say, because it came out around the same time as... Well, not quite, but in the same sort of scope for me being as I don't get to the cinema as often as I'd like these days what with you know eight yeah. year old um, Filth came out and, and uh, there were points watching Filth where I'm like this is really uncomfortable but I'm laughing so hard yeah. I can't reconcile the two and, but I think Filth I would rewatch, whereas I don't ever want to see Wolf of Wall Street yeah. this is the thing I've got I've been swaying with whether or not I should sell my Wolf of Wall Street Blu-ray so I really want to like it. It's Scorsese. The trailer was ace. It's got Kyle Chandler from Friday Night Lights in it, which is another TV series that was kind of tragically short. Oh yeah, we should get back to that thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I just good and luck. I could plot. I couldn't tell who I was supposed to be rooting for because like, they kind of show you the FBI guy at the end, Kyle Chandler's character at the end, with after the whole you know you'll still be riding the subway in your pathetic little life kind of thing. And you look at him and he looks miserable and you're kind of like, what am I supposed to be learning from this film? Yeah. That robbing old ladies over the phone is all right? <laughs> I don't think there's any message in that film other than the mm. fact that it's based on some guy's memoirs. He's on a massive you know, melon. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, well, the reason I'm bringing it up... anywhere near as likable as Leonardo DiCaprio tried yeah. to make it. The reason I bring it up is that I, I again, uh, I saw um, a review of Pain and Gain uh, where they did not like it, but the point. I made, just, I must yeah. admit, my only basis on liking Pain and Gain is a disclaimer to anyone who has seen it. Done. I can't believe Ben even wants to see that. It's awful. He's now a dick. No, um, <laughs> is that I really liked the trailer, and of yeah. course, it's very easy to cut together a trailer that looks funny. I liked the trailer up to the bit of the hours. kid in the basketball court. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, I think I think the point they made was they said how is they liked the Wolf <laughs> oh, God. of Wall Street. Ben liked that bit. Yeah. <laughs> they liked the Wolf of Wall Street, but they didn't like no, Pain and Gain. And they, and they said, what's the big difference here? And they had a clip of Martin Scorsese talking about it, and he was saying how like uh, he said, yeah, these are horrible people, but you know, he said when I make movies about horrible people, I like to think that maybe there before the grace of God <laughs> go I. Yes. You know, like we could all have done something stupid at one point. And then they cut to Michael Bay talking about Pain and Gain. He just goes like, "This is a movie about idiots. These people are morons," and it's just like they're comparing the two mindsets. Where it's like they're both movies about horrible people, but it's like one movie was kind of laughing at those people, and the other was kind of like saying like, "Yeah, they're horrible people, and they're doing funny stuff." I think like, the problem with us. Pain and Gain yeah. is that Michael Bay doesn't convey that within the film. Yeah, it's not. He's not done it in a way that's kind of look at these fucking idiots. See, because weirdly that year, Mark Wahlberg was in two humorous films about two guys 
action based with sort of maybe cops. And the other one was two guns, and I I want to kind of see both in a Mark Wahlberg action film. I love two nice. guns. Is it good? I really liked it. It's, it's stupid as well. The other guys was a couple of years before. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I haven't seen two. And the other guys is is an odd one because it's not really about the other guys. Is there two guys based on a comic? Yes, two yes. guns. Two guns, two guns, guns, not two guys, yeah. Um, yeah, the other guys, isn't it, about the other two, like... It's like, if there's two awesome action cops who are having... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Samuel yeah. Jackson and The Rock are the two awesome ones That's that would it. be the central characters of another film. But then and what's then happening at the Mark same... Wolver. The guy is who steals... Wolver and Jonah Hill? Will Ferrell. Oh, that's Will Ferrell. Oh, the guy who steals right. other guys is Michael Keaton. Michael oh. Keaton is ace in the other guys. Oh, okay. Yeah. Their, oh, yeah. Their yes. captain. Yeah, yeah. Where he's got, where he's got the second job where he's working at, like Bed Bath and Beyond or something. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing the team briefing and he gives the thing about the rapist. So he's like, oh no, that's from my other job. Ignore that. Well, actually, no, if you live in that area, don't ignore that. There's a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's Michael Keaton and he's brilliant. And apparently there's a lot of buzz around um, Birdman for Michael Keaton, which I would really love to see Michael Keaton nominated for an Oscar. Nice. Not that Oscars mean anything, but... Right, so... But anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm the biggest offender, I think, of derailing stuff, but where were we in terms of comic properties? To we were sort of, we just done Young Justice, I wanted to bring up Birds of Prey. I don't know if anyone I remembers never saw Birds it. of Prey. I never Prey. saw it. I saw some YouTube clips of the fateful killing joke moments. Yeah. Birds of Prey was dreadful for the first few episodes, and then it really got its rhythm, then they cancelled Yeah, it's always the way. <laughs> yeah. It's... I mean, it, it was one of those things, a bit like Smallville, and a bit potentially like Gotham, where you have to accept it as its own thing because it's basically Huntress's Batman and Catwoman's daughter. Then yeah, Batman's yeah, very Earth too. Yeah, yes. Batman's disappeared, and it's now her Black Canary and Oracle. Mm. And was and Oracle Alfred the Batgirl at one point? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. they do the kid joke. Thing. They actually have a Joker in that flashback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah I, Mark Hamill does the voice, but you don't see his face. Uh, yeah, it's very in, out of focus. It's you done see, very much shot for shot, don't yeah. you, and stuff, but you don't really see the face. I it's think. pretty much done shot for shot from um, Killing Joke. It's mm. beautifully put together. The YouTube clip is amazing. It is, and the guy they got playing Batman for that brief thing where she's explaining, you know, that her dad was Batman, Catwoman was a mum, they got Batman and Catwoman together. Really well done. Mm. Really nice look. They, you know, they sp- looks like they spent money on the suits rather than just being kind of like, let's just chuck an old Adam West one on them. And- the other thing that's awful about it as well is because that was cancelled, you know that the suits, no one else, not the creatives, but the suits and the money men took that as, uh, we can't do a female-fronted superhero team. But that was the thing. When it really found its mm. rhythm and got going, you had a really good that's comic book property on TV with a three fem- yeah. strong female leads. But that's, the only, super that's the only take-home message, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they've taken yeah. home. Yeah. When you um, don't like comments. I was delighted, I think I mentioned to you yesterday, um, the Wonder Woman 77 comic has been announced at New York yes. Comic Con. Fantastic. They need to raise the profile of Wonder Woman, and of course a lot of people still have a lot of love for that TV series. In fact, most of the pop culture stuff Swag that you could buy with Wonder Woman on harkens back really to that mm. series. My so only real it. clear memory from the Wonder Woman TV series was an episode where she's swimming, she swimming under the sea, but it's not the sea, it's in a swimming pool, and they've just put like a couple of rocks and some seaweed, and then you can just see the tiles from, <laughs> <laughs> from the swimming Whoops. pool floor on there. And it's, it's, it could be a shipwreck. It's just brilliant. <laughs> but that's the only thing I clearly remember from it. I love it. I've got them all on DVD because I bought the box. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that at some point DC will get hold of Dynamite and do one of those cross company 
like crossover things. Yeah. Because I'd love to see the Barnet Woman meets Wonder Woman. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. A, just a kind of couple of issues crossover comic. If you could do meets Green Hornet, let's do. Yeah. Because they were around the, not quite the same sort of time, but in the similar sort yeah. of span and occupying a similar sort of time slot almost, I feel. So, yeah, well, that would be cool. While we're on that with the dynamite thing, um, and we bring back also Batman 66. Yeah. The TV series. Again, only lasted for three seasons. That um, felt though like it. I, yeah, I, don't I, know. I felt. Actually, I didn't see it at the time, but it felt like they'd ended it because they'd gone as far as they'd mined it. You know they, what I mean? The thing was it from yeah, it was cancelled. Um, I've got the Batman TV series companion book, and they said that in that another network was going to pick it up for a fourth series as long as they still had all the sets, and they destroyed the sets about two days before. Oh god! So there would have been a fourth series because I mean the third series is where they brought in Batgirl. Yeah, which as a child I got so excited when you saw Batgirl come up in the opening credits. You're like, it's a Batgirl episode. I don't know why. I just something awesome about a new character. I, I tell you what it is. I think a lot of people in our sort of age bracket, there was so. Am I remembering her name right? Yvonne. Yvonne Craig. Yvonne Craig. There's something about her in that suit. Yeah, was some early stirrings for a few young men. I did not find no, her at all attractive as Barbara Gordon. Did you not? No, no but as, as bad girl. girl. I mean, red hair. Long yeah, red hair. Yeah. It's but, probably where my three redheads... That's why I married a Maybe I'm being massively naive, <laughs> but by today's standards, she's not overly sexualized in either role. No, Obviously, no, not at all. Obviously, the suit is tight, but it's not revealing. She's not got nipples on her or anything. No. <laughs> Ugly Burt Ward is more of it. <laughs> have you ever seen the... By his own choice, I'm sure. Have you ever seen The Return did. to the Batcave? No, I've heard about it. I want to see it. There's an awesome bit in that where they've got a note comes through to Burt Ward saying that his package looks too big and Adam West isn't happy about it so he's got like himself strapped in so that he doesn't he's not got so much of a bold because Adam West is really insecure about it. I mean I don't know obviously some of it's going to be fictional like that <laughs> 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 got Ward this time it's like, really cut off in circulation <laughs> my legs are tingling I love the idea is to, to fatten down him rather than pad up the arm. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been even funnier, an arms race to move and pad more. <laughs> just come in. And He's like, got a ridiculous episode where he looks like they've got a front bump. <laughs> <laughs> One of them carefully sculpting a zucchini to be... <laughs> A bold up to his I chest. I see your zucchini and raise you a marrow. <laughs> a butt prosthetic. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> and that's why that shark wouldn't let go of his leg. <laughs> so, as a sci-fi nerd, I'm going to dive in here with uh, one eye. Well, a couple actually. One of which I never really watched, but always loved the concept of. And then, of course, it was cancelled. So it was almost like, well, there's no point getting invested now. Like, you know, sometimes it yeah. took a while for them to come over to, from the US and the UK. And so I read all the spoiler zone things in SFX, got steadily more excited. This show sounds great. And then it was kind of derailed. But I'll start first with Dark Skies, which was kind of post-X-Files, but I think was still sort of during X-Files. Yeah, it was. An attempt to do a period show of a similar ilk. Um, we meet John Lowengard and his then-girlfriend... Um, or no, I think Young Wife, actually. And it's in the 60s, and he wants to work with JFK, if I remember rightly. Yeah. And um, and so they're sort of working on the campaign trail, and so on and so forth. And then 
um, they, he comes across like, Project Paperclip and Operation Blackwood mm. and all these kind of things, and an alien that there are aliens and they are implanting these ganglion creatures into people's brains that take them over. And um, so he gets recruited by an organization called Majestic 12. Well, initially threatened and beaten. Majestic 12? Um, Majestic 12, yeah. It's all pulling up lots of kind of classic men in black and kind I was of, say, I, of I, I, contemporary I stuff. I've heard complete sidetrack, but Majestic um, enemies in Atomic Robo, I didn't realise. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, actually... it's, it's very much a kind of an, an American urban legend slash actual thing that oh. has obviously been massively sensationalised at points, or has it? I didn't know blah, blah, that, blah. But um, a fantastic uh, series, and these ganglions take over various people around him and he's investigating and then they get his wife and Majestic 12 an experimental treatment that he's read about because he starts working for them and then finds out more than he likes and tries to whistleblow and that gets him into even more trouble yeah. and they go on the run and then the aliens catch up with him first and do as I say take over his wife uh, I think it's Kim Kim Lowengard and he uses this experimental treatment to try and get it out mm-hmm. and does but then they're still wanted by Majestic 12 and the aliens. Yeah. And so they go on the run. And lots of classic 60s events in America. Like, it, the episode, the whole season spans the decade. And there's the bit where they do finally manage to... About the equivalent of what would have been Sweet Sweets in the US. You know, the point where they basically check the rating. Yeah, yeah, so they So the shows tend to pull out all the stops. That will be when they have the big guest stars or the multi mini multi-arc within the larger yeah, arc yeah. and all the rest of it. And um, he gets to the point where he's going to be able to present his evidence to JFK about this organization Majestic 12 and you know and everything that's going on and then JFK is shot um, and then Robert Kennedy like mm. a couple of episodes later is like okay you can read and they have an initial meeting with Robert Kennedy and the actor they get for Robert Kennedy is fantastic and then Robert Kennedy is killed mm. and it just it was superbly interwoven even things like the first Beatles broadcast in the US yeah. the aliens were going to try and broadcast something off the back of it knowing that loads of people to, to make the humans more compliant yeah, yeah. it was fab and the idea was supposed to be that every decade because it had a sort of almost how I met your mother thing and then it was narrated by an, a, an older actor who was supposed to be John Lowengard telling you the story in flashback yeah and each season would be another decade forward. So start the 60s, 70s for season 2, 80s for season 3, 90s for season 4, and then we'd get up to the turn of the century for the fifth season where it would all come to a head. And it sounded fantastic. And the, the actors, because it had um, Jerry dark, Ryan. Dark Skies. Dark yeah. Skies. And it has some awful moments, and some of it is shockingly bad, I'll be honest. And I can see why it did get cancelled. But it also had some great ideas. And it was coming together. Kim eventually succumbs to, like, the hive. Because there's a little residual control. Mm. And they re-implant her. And there's this shocking scene where he's been trying to find her. She's been missing for a few episodes. He's been paired with a cage. And he actually ends up working for Majestic 12 again. against his better judgment. And he is paired with a KGB operative, a Russian who is from their equivalent to Majestic 12. And it's like, oh, Cold War. We do not get on. But actually, both governments are aware that the aliens are a bigger threat now. Or at least there's not the governments, but the secret organizations. So there's going to be some cooperation. When she comes on board, Jerry Ryan is a new, was brought in as a new character yeah. to help try and find Kim. And um, they finally do. They track her down. She's with... <clears throat> a former Majestic 12 operative called Steel, who one eye has gone glassy from their attempts to remove the ganglion from him and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, and he's, again, a really creepy character actor. 
and they find her, and it looks like they've managed to get her away from the hive, and she comes strong. It's beautiful daylight, and she comes walking across and almost cuts the slow-mo, the reunion scene, fantastic. And then the camera just cuts and reveals she has a tire iron behind her back, and she proceeds to beat John half to death. And it was just so utterly shocking. Utter confirmation that, yes, she no, up until that point yeah. she's just been missing. But that was a confirmation that she's been reimplanted and you've lost. And I loved, because I grew up watching the Invaders in reruns, and I have always loved Alien Invasion, Body yeah. Snatchers style dramas. Dark Skies was fan. So when did that run? Uh, late 90s. Yeah, mid to late 90s. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, it's um, the guy from Without a Trace, and he's in Nashville now, I think. Mm. I can't think of his name. Um, Invaders is another one. I adore Invaders. Oh, Invaders. Yeah, like, then you never saw Invaders. It's on really they show on it BBC on, Two. Yeah, they show it on the Horror Channel. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. Well, they were showing it on the Horror Channel. I don't because they remade that in the nineties with I want to say Scott Bakula. I might be wrong. <laughs> yes, but it only was like an episode or two, wasn't it? Or, or was I think it, it was like, like a mini movie or something. Mini. I think they did about six episodes, something like that, enough that they released it on DVD at one point. Speaking of just just. It was Eric Close. Eric Close, and it that's had the, it. the late J.T. Walsh in it as the head of Majestic 12, who was fantastic. And uh, Tim Kelleher, I think uh, I'm probably saying that wrong, was the actor that played Steel. And as I say, Jerry Ryan, who went on to be in Star Trek Voyager at 7 of 9, um, it ran from 96 to 97. And uh, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I was going to say, look, random things about aliens. Um, did anyone ever see the... Highlander TV series. Yes. Yeah. Now you know the. Act- I mean, no. Yeah. Yeah. No. My other half has a subject for it, but uh, excuse me. You know um, the the main character in that, the actor who played him. Uh, yeah, Adrian Paul. Adrian Paul. I remember randomly. I mean, no. I remember, I remember randomly turning on the horror channel, and it's Adrian Paul doing something. You think, oh, is this Highlander? And you're like, what is this? There's aliens? And like, why are, why is it so dark? I don't mean like dark as in people are dying and stuff, but like physically, why is the screen so dark? And it turns out it was like a late 90s remake of War of the Worlds. Oh, a modern, yeah. up-to-date 90s version. It was awful. But it like kind of like off the back of... You know, I, I I don't want to insult Buffy, but like off the back of Buffy, where they were like, oh, you know, you can do like these yeah. cool, dark, sexy TV series, and they just seemed to take it to the extreme where it was just literally dark, where you just could not see a thing <laughs> on screen, as if like that were. So like, Alien versus Predator Two, where they got the memo about being dark, but were so dark you couldn't actually see a thing. I I saw uh, to my I, to my shame, I, I saw the first one at the cinema and yeah, uh, so did I. Uh, I did not, not see the second one, although I actually, in a weird way, had high hopes for it, because it was um, a bit like some of the Alien vs. Predator comics, where it was like in present-day America or something. And it, it, was, it, it was hideous. Yeah, but, um, it, wasn't, it, wasn't like it looked yeah. like such a... Like, and they were halfway through it, because they had the weird facehugger attack in a forest thing, Yeah, and they did bullet time halfway through a facehugger oh. leap. And it, so well, they did that. I was like, that's, that's quite cool. I've not seen that before. And then the rest of it, the Pred Alien was so hideous. Well, and they had and that weird so thing. Good. They were like, you know, look how dark we are. We kill a child first. And then you had the whole thing with the Pred Alien with pregnant women and newborn babies. Yeah. and It was miserable. And then in yeah. Skyline, you had the whole thing at the end where they were like gutting out pregnant women's babies before they were born. And I was like, these guys have got real problems with pregnant women. <laughs> <laughs> but um, on a side note, as... You seem to be an aficionado of the Highlander TV series. You can tell me, did I dream it, or did they actually make a female spin-off that was called something like The Raven? Yeah. 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 I never saw either the series or... But again, that was one where I read 
the SFX spoiler, like when it used to be sealed yeah. up and you had to kind of tear it open, which was really quite respectful for those that didn't want you yeah. know, spoilers. And I, I, by proxy, I felt like I read a good chunk of the Highlander series, but never got to see it. And um, a friend of mine later, we discovered he was massively into it. He kept promising he'd sit me down and yeah. we'd watch it. And we just never got a chance. But he used to have the massive video box sets of Highlander. Right. Like, it came out on DVD. I think he got those. And it was just quite hysterical watching them go from these meter-long <laughs> box sets to something. Because sort of there was that wonderfully weird thing in the 90s where they were taking film properties. So you had the Highlander TV series. Okay. You had Crow Stairway to Heaven, which was... Shit. <laughs> you had Stargate. You had the Robocop TV series, which is yeah. dreadful, but I really do quite like it. And I'm not just saying that because I did that whole thing for Starburst on it. And, you know, I'm Facebook friends with Richard Eden, who was Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I did. Andy watched it and he hated it. He could only watch about two episodes. He absolutely hated it. What are you saying? Because it was building up in but, the previous podcast, wasn't it? Because I, yeah, I'd. Um, He'd read the article I'd written. He was like, actually, this sounds like it might be right. But I think I've got a real soft spot for 90s TV anyway. Mm. So I've got that going for me. And, you know, I kind of ex- watched it because I watched the whole thing, binge watched it because I was doing the article. I kind of, you, you accept it for what it is. And it was never going to be like, you know, Paul Verhoeven's Robocop. Mm. But I, I quite liked it for what it did. It did interesting things with Robocop. It's just. I mean, Richard Eden admitted himself that the CV series was not what he thought it was going to be, and he was a little disappointed with the direction they went with it, but it's, it was just after Bush Sr. had done the um, peanut television TV should be more like the Waltons, less like the Simpsons mm. thing. Mm. But, um... It's funny, isn't it? Like, um... I, when we had, had gone through the Mary Whitehouse nonsense, yeah. I was talking the other day, the post-Mary Whitehouse, we have, there are still things we're not allowed to redo in the but it seems to be resurging again against Doctor Who. It's not Mary Whitehouse anymore. But the Daily Mail and is it the Daily Mail? I've got a problem with Doctor Who is not being friendly for kids too anymore. Too dark anymore. Well, exactly, and I think which I can see that Saturday's episode was very uh, not very kid friendly. Do you not think? Because I think the actual was. reveal, the idea that it's. Oh, oh, the, oh, I don't mind me. Don't mind me. The fact that basically the, 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 the story well, the real reveal was really nicely done, beautifully, beautifully done. done. I have to say, do you know what? I think by the time this is up, I would imagine most people have seen it. Oh, otherwise, quick spoiler: skip, skip on, skip to this time code, <laughs> skip in a bit. You know, <laughs> it, when you next hear me cough, it is second. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, the, the the mummy is revealed to be a soldier that has been kept animated, but so he has. Like the ability to go out of phase, it has the ability to try and pull energy from other people and, and all this kind of stuff. And it was quite wonderfully explained. Um, so the Doctor basically defeats it by surrendering. We surrender. And it finally just stops and then goes into a salute. really Bob-style salute. It's beautiful. And, and then, then just dissolves, dissolves into, into dust. What's left is just the tech. The tech that was inside oh. it keeping it going. You know, beyond death and things. And I just, that was superb absolutely stunning and I thought any kid that has been scared by that if you can get them to understand the the truth behind it because the salute is so respectful like it wasn't malicious it was being driven on by Mm. tech it didn't want in itself anymore anyway and the ability to just say we surrender was sort of enough for the tech to go oh okay I, I don't need to do this anymore fantastic it was actually genuinely heartbreaking and wonderful it was the polar opposite to the empty child go to your room thing yes of you know the the simple 
words to say to a sort of defeat it kind of thing. Yeah. It, it was the po- where that went for the laugh. <coughs> that one. For, it was a really, really genuinely touching moment. Just on a random. I've just coughed, so welcome back. Well, welcome back. Yeah, <laughs> back in the room. You could argue Doctor Who's one that was cancelled and then brought back, but mm. it's been brought back but, stronger than ever. Well, I, I guess, but if the theme of the evening is things that were cut short before their time, is the question in that instance, at the time, had Doctor Who run its course? I think, yeah, but the Sylvester McCoy ones were starting to get interested in it. Because you've got the whole story arc where he was sort of starting to mess with Ace. He was taking her back to points in her history that, you know, would both give her closure and he just wanted to see how she'd react to things. I would say, arguably, though, the people in power was Michael Grade, wasn't it? Yeah. They had decided they hated it because of almost like the Colin Baker years uh, were the point where he decided. I think it's a risk, but there I say it, they made Colin Baker deliberately less likeable. Mm. And so you could say... Well, the could thing with Colin think. Baker was he was playing the long game. Oh, definitely. He, he, had, he figured that cause, and he wasn't going to leave. He'd be in there for as long as Tom Baker was. Yeah. That was his plan. I mean, I think Doctor Who was all Colin Baker wanted to do. Yeah, but um, so he had a plan that the character would develop. Mm. So the first couple of seasons, because you know he had the he had a vi- my he had, hero not a moment too soon is his first line, and he's really obnoxious. He, he had a violent regeneration. Yeah, because obviously it was a violent. It was a more, probably the most violent way the Doctor had died up to that point. And um, yeah, then you had the whole thing where he tries to kill Perry. Yeah, he's not just then he's very cowardly. So you've got the which I think was him doing a throwback to William Hartnell. Because William Hartnell's Doctor was quite cowardly and quite savage to begin with. Mm. Well, Capaldi seems to be embodying some of that as well. But Capaldi seems to have done what Daniel Craig's done with James Bond, that Timothy Dalton had done in the 80s, but nobody was willing to accept it. No one had noticed. And Capaldi, I think, is doing that now with Doctor Who, that what Colin Baker tried to do in the 80s. I mean, Colin Baker's other problem was that they put him in that fucking coat. Oh, that coat. Have you seen the big finish redesign? The sort of blue... Yes. yes it's like a, yeah. oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? You just think, yeah, oh, that the that. time they brought that yeah, in? Yeah, Because, uh, again, um, uh, I'm probably not the... I'm not the long-term Whovians, which you guys are, but... Well, uh, I'm not. I was a no. new Who fan who went back. Yeah. I remember seeing some McCoy stuff, but it was... I definitely... Ca- I'm the lost generation. Like, you know, I'm the yeah. start of the lost generation. Yeah, I you feel. were the ones that were robbed. I we mean, I was it. to a degree, because I had... Peter Davidson was the first Doctor I remember. Colin Baker was the Doctor I really clearly remember. And then Sylvester McCoy. But they moved... With Sylvester McCoy, they moved it into the week. Mm. So I mm. didn't always get to watch it. So I saw Sylvester McCoy anyway. really into me. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, they put it up against Coronation Street, which yeah. just killed it. But, um... Then I sort of didn't have a Doctor Who, and it was that weird thing. There was there's an entire generation that didn't have a Doctor, and they didn't have a James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Because Bond died in '89 until '95. So you have interesting point. You had a whole six years of no new James Bond. So there's a whole generation of teenagers that didn't have a James Bond, and the same with Doctor Who. They both went away at the same time. Doctor Who briefly came back around the same time as Goldeneye, and then say that. Doctor Who was so intermittent during the Brosnan years or it's even more intermittent yeah. now but at least of the three films we've had with Daniel Craig two of them have been fantastic mm. yes and one's been um, Quantum of Solace <laughs> well exactly one was <laughs> Question of Sport <laughs> I really I, like the title Quantum of Solace but yes um, I think what does it mean I don't know really Quantum of Solace it took me a long time to actually work it out but I know it's fine it's because Solace is one of my favourite words you yes. know, there's just words that you just really gravitate towards and really like, solace yeah, is yeah. a word, absolutely, it's just a I, really nice, I, what I like word. moist. What I, I hate the word moist. 
so confused to do. I love it. What I um, what as I much as I hate the word lush, I probably shouldn't tell you that because now everything's going to be lush. No, no, everything's going to be lusciously moist, <laughs> lovely, <laughs> lovely, jubbly, <laughs> lush and moist. I didn't actually realise that quantum because quantum sonic sounds nice, but it no, also I'm sounds like use the two nine. But it also sounds like trying to do a robin. Now I'm trying to yeah. like how to put like moist and lush together. Moist in a quantum of solaceness. <laughs> The lush, 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 lush. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, no, you're like, saying. But Colin Solis, like, it sounds nice, but it, as a phrase, but it also sounds like gibberish. But apparently, it is actually a, a phrase. It just means a small piece of solace, like a tiny bit of comfort. That's what it means. A quantum. So what you're well, saying my interpretation is, of it is the second having had all of the chaos of Casino Royale, his second film is called A Smidgen of Calm. Because my main, <laughs> I think, I think the quantum of solace within the film is at the end where he sees he goes and yeah. confronts Vesper's boyfriend. Because that the rest of it is not quantum well, of solace. I think that's the quantum. I think of the solace. issue is they were running out of actual titles they could adapt. Yeah, and movies. Because quantum of solace is a short story. Of yeah, this. and yeah. it's nothing but Bond meeting Sitting a fellow in a, agent in a, in a bar. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty much Bond sitting at a party um, kind of thing. Yeah, and that's it. And and the majority of it is Bond. Oh, I've got to say, they talk about missed opportunities, but how? I, I love Casino Royale. I think it's just an absolute masterpiece. I actually even pref- I prefer Skyfall. I, I I like Skyfall. I thought the final act was a bit Monica the Glen. I but, no, it's um, Glen. I adored it for that. Mm. Yeah, it's Monica the Glen meets Glen. Yeah, but I adored it for that. I had yeah. real issues with Skyfall. My issue with Skyfall is it instantly gets my back up when the gun barrel's not at the beginning. It just yeah. doesn't feel like a James Bond film. Mm. It doesn't belong at the end. It belongs to a James Bond film should not massively gone off now, but a James <laughs> Bond film should not start. Like exactly, as we said before, I, I hate the Miss Money Penny is kind of like, oh hey yeah, she's too crap to be in the field. Yeah. Or let's, really let's pop her behind it. Let's sit there. Pop pet. Her behind it. Pet. Just but sit talking, there. But talking about like massive <laughs> Get us some files and a cup of tea. But but I think but talking about massive missed opportunities, I mean this was you know, similar time you look at what they're doing with Dark Knight and everything yeah. and but it's like the ending of Casino Royale and, you know, Bond finally, you know, he's got the suit, you know, he shoots... Yeah, the, see, this, spoilers. Is, this is my massive what, problem what, with both Quantum oh and It's been out for, like, five no, or six years. No, it's that yeah. they did Casino Royale, and they're like, this is the film that shows you how Bond became Bond. By the end of this, he's Bond. That's yeah. why the James Bond theme kicks in, that's why he does the... My, yeah. name's, my name's Bond, James Bond. Yeah. Then they go to Quantum Asylum, like, well, he's Bond, but he wasn't quite Bond. So this is just the further what thing you're of how he comes Bond. modern movie reboots. But by the end of Quantum Asylum, he will be Bond. And then it's like, awesome. Then we get Skyfall. It's like, he was Bond, but now he's gone past being Bond. He was Bond, but then something went horribly wrong, and he's not been Bond for but a while. But now he's Bond again. Now he's Bond again, and he has to prove But by it. the end of this, I he'll do be Bond. The, tra- the stuff early on, what I love, is the training, and he's completely fucking awful. Yeah. And knackered and hiding it, and when they finally go, okay, th- this is rubbish. We'll, you know, check on you again tomorrow, and he just collapses in the heat. Yeah, it's so wonderfully human. But I was, you know, that's what, what I, like what I was just going to say. But the thing that was, I thought was a, uh, such a missed opportunity is, you know, as you say, end of Casino Royale. It's like boom, bonds back. It's they breathe life into it. It's amazing. And but then you have a whole thing with Mister White and who was funding and who was the chief working for, and it felt like, oh my. Could they do Spectre again, but for a new age? They can now. They got the rights back. No, but but it's, but you know, <laughs> call it quantum. Call it no, but call it quantum. Call it whatever. But how cool would that be? It's like you know, uh, Blofeld hasn't been in a movie for ages. You know, it was, it was too camp. It was too seventies. But do a modern day. But no, Blofeld. Really you see, um, you know, uh, rest in peace, Richard Keel. Yes, mm. and um, the guy from Live and Let Die, whose name's completely gone out of my head. 
the guy with the the black guy with the white terrible things um, with the white face oh, Baron, the train, Baron yeah. Sandy the no that's character. yes yeah yeah Richard Keel for me synonymous with fantastic bank holidays yes just the feeling of I've actually really enjoyed this bank holiday, which I don't often get these days bank holidays go past the blur oh. and they feel missed and wasted and like I haven't rung enough out of the as, as a teenager bank holidays were great and Richard Keel was for me synonymous with a great bank holiday so thank you and can Richard I just Keel. say yeah. Spy Who Loved Me the bit at the um, in the pyramids where he, it's night where he goes after the guy and kills him terrified the shit out of me as a kid mm. absolutely terrified he was briefly Incredible Hulk just to bring it back around did you hear about this no I didn't he know was that. briefly it, it was Richard Keel not Lou Ferrigno and apparently a couple of shots of him still survived into the pilot of the Incredible Hulk TV series yeah. Now I feel like maybe I've done that and made it up because I would have thought if anyone would have known that more than me, that was quite often I go, yeah. "Did you know this?" And Stuart goes, "Oh yeah, totally." This and nails it with extra yeah, anecdotes. Yeah. And I, um, yeah, oh, I'm going to look no, into I'm that. I've made it up. I'm, I'm, no, I'm sure I heard something about Richard Keel and Incredible Hulk, but it, yeah, <laughs> exciting podcast as man looks things up. <laughs> yeah, on so good. I can multitask just about because. Uh, going back to the, you know, what we were talking about, the the TV series, and I'm bigged up a whole thing. I'm going to talk about a science fiction show that I never got to see, yeah. but it sounded amazing. Odyssey Five mean anything to anyone? Uh, no. Um, Pete Weller. It was. It was. Odyssey Five was the concept of a bunch of people going to space on like a shuttle. Yeah. At which point the Earth suddenly explodes beneath them, or or is destroyed, or something. Mm-hmm. And they drift in space until they've almost run out of oxygen. When an alien race of great power comes and says, "So we didn't just blow up your Earth, but we know the race that did, and well, obviously we arrived too late to stop them. But we can send you back five years, quantum leaping you, if you will, into yourselves then five years ago, and you have five years to find out their agents on Earth and what they are doing that led to the destruction of your home world. Are you game? Of course you're game. You're about to die. Go. And they suddenly wake up." you know, five years ago. But of course, some of their lives have so drastically changed in five years that some of them get embroiled with trying to change their own personal circumstances. Yeah. But it's a fantastic idea, It's I a felt. good jumping off concept. It's very much like you could do anything with that. Well, and that could have made it, like, at the moment, there's a fantastic series coming out from, I believe it's Honey Press called Letter 44. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those concepts where I feel it was almost too stronger concept for a TV network to not mm. mute it. Neuter, mute, and ultimately squander. Because tell me, uh, tell me if I got this wrong, but it's very much uh, <coughs> a new president enters the White House. Oh, this is Letter 44. Yeah. Uh, this is why I'm terrified, because it's, yeah. it's going to be adapted as a TV series, and I'm not sure it's going to last, whereas I think the comic will go but, the but the principle being that a new president enters the White House after... A previous unpopular president's tenure comes yes, to an end, and they're very obviously Cyprus, yeah, Bush, and Obama. Uh, Obama, yeah. And uh, you know, it's kind of like there's often they say like you know the new head of state gets a letter from the previous letter. Yeah, it's like a standard thing. Uh, opens the letter, and uh, it basically says, "Hey, uh, by the way, uh, w- our people spotted uh, a massive alien spaceship or something approaching Earth." Uh, it's your problem now, <laughs> uh, and it's like oh 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 and oh and we sent a team out to deal with it like completely off the radar you know no publicity black NASA yeah. it's kind of, of like he's gone hey you realise all of the reason I've been sending people overseas and starting wars in foreign countries I possibly shouldn't have done according to you lefties was because I wanted as many able-bodied men and women from the um, from the America to be blooded and ready for combat because. 
it's coming. coming. Yeah. And I'm now going to my ranch to hide. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> and it's just the most <laughs> amazing letter. That sounds brilliant. It's What's that? Letter, letter, 44. 44. letter 44. I may have to add that to my pool. That's yes. beautiful. The first round of novel is available and beautifully done. I mean, it's been going for a while, but uh, <laughs> but not ages. But yeah, just superb. Series. And it's been optioned by, I think, Sci-Fi or Siffy, mm. as they are now. It's like... Um, and I just checked, by the way, yes, Keel was... He participated in the pilot. Um, they then decided that they needed someone who had muscle mass as well as height. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, they felt, was a bit fat, which is ironic. Um, and so, cut him. He, Richard Keel, had sight problems. And um, so he found the fact that he had to wear contact lenses difficult anyway. Yeah. Plus, getting the green paint off was a nightmare. So he didn't mind losing the part. <laughs> he does survive in the pilot in a scene where the Hulk rescues a young girl from drowning. Uh, oh, yeah. Still Richard Keel. Oh. But nothing else. Everything else is Luke Ringo. Lou yeah. F, anyway. Yeah. The wonderful Lou F. Um, on Odyssey 5, around the same time, do you remember Earth Final Conflict? Yes. Have you ever watched that? The Gene Roddenberry yeah. concept oh, that yeah. languished. That looked terrible from the outside looking in. I remember quite enjoying it, but I've never it, been able to go... I never saw the whole series. I saw odd episodes. I've never been able to go see, back to it. Because the aliens just look so ridiculous. Yeah. And that's coming from someone who likes shows with bumpy head. Yeah, aliens. basically. So if I'm, you know, if a Star Trek fan is like, oh, your aliens look a bit dodgy, <laughs> you know, uh, if a Babylon <laughs> 5 fan says, and I am one of those, your aliens look a bit dodgy. Oh, I'm getting old. My knees are... Um, we couple of other superhero shows. The Tick. Yeah, never saw coming the Tick. Back. I guess coming back. Yeah, is yeah. it on Amazon or I believe Google so. One or of the on demand. But surely that means we can't count it as a, a cancelled before its time if it's coming back. It depends whether it's similarly. I can't Patrick now say Wolf. Twin Peaks. Yeah. See, I'm yeah. gutted about Twin Peaks. I just bought that definitive friggin' box set, and it's not anymore, is it? Because it's doing a <laughs> pissing series. But, see, I'm going to pick that because I've never seen Twin Peaks. I've had people rave about it, and it's kind of like, mm. well, now if I can get myself caught up. When there's new Twin Peaks to watch, I'll get it. We've Plus, got it. I get the feeling it will scare the living shit. We've out got it taped, and we're well, uh, um, um, uh, Lynch, Lynch. Oh, you know, off, off uh, you know, they're showing it on Sci-Fi. Yeah, we, yeah oh, we've got it on the box, and uh, the Lynch stuff terrifies me. Anyway, Twin really Peaks freaky. isn't. You know, I might just get the box set and see if yourself and Lucy want to join me and Ray for a bit of a video marathon on it. Like, not you know. Yeah, I love Twin that. Peaks. Would be, that would be good. Yeah, get actually, old yeah. George involved as well. Warp his tiny mind now. Well, the thing is, like, it was, it was kind of, um, tiny mind, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like, uh, is he offering people jelly babies from a cigarette case? I hope so. The yeah, style so. of it. That's the thing, like, Twin Peaks, it was, uh, there's that classic Simpsons joke where they flash back to the 80s and Homer's watching Twin Peaks and there's a man waltzing with a unicorn under a tree which a traffic light is hanging from it like, goes brilliant I have no idea what's going on <laughs> it's just like yeah it, it just confused the hell out of people but it was so stylish and evocative the number of log lady references and stuff that I never mm. realised were log lady references until I made the mistake of falling down a wiki hole about the log lady yeah you know it's like uh, you're just saying the Stephen King elements you know like mm. uh, so many things that influence but yeah but yeah, no. It'd be worth watching, actually. Like I say, I'm more annoyed because it means the complete box. Because I don't like buying individual series, I like a complete box set. I know, but. Which means I, I just spent 50 quid on a pissing box set that <laughs> I'm going to have to get rid of and get the end one with the extra series in it. But then. It, but see, I'm, I'm getting more tribute. So. If it's definitive, then. And this. Because this almost. Like, they're not going to pick up where it left off. I mean, I, no, I it's you know about up. the end of Twin Peaks, or have you stayed Yeah, no, no, I've, I've Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, it picks so, up 20 odd years later. Yeah. Or it which just means, picks up in real time. Because there's still some debate, isn't there, as to whether Bob leaves in Dale Cooper's body or leaves in a doppelganger of Dale Cooper. Because Dale Cooper is then in fire walk with me, shown in the Black Lodge, comforting Laura Palmer, yeah. who then laughs as maniacally as Bob did at the end of the series, by all accounts, which I haven't even seen, and still mm, the idea yeah, of it scares yeah. the shit out of me. Um, but does that mean, because Carl McLaughlin, of course, has sort of aged into a face that looks like a villain, and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have smartly cast him as yeah. a recurring possible villain, yeah. probable villain, let's be honest, considering the promo shot for him in, in this week's comics is... Daddy knows best, or father, no, father knows best, and it's Carmen Coughlin splattered with blood, just ominously for Agents of Shield. Like woo, um, and the ABC Family drama. <laughs> but, um, It'd be better if it was the Captain back in How I Met Your Mother. But yeah, no, I just think Carmen Coughlin is going to be fantastic if he gets to continue to play. Also, I hope they get David Bowie back. Again, not seen yeah. any of it, but I love the idea that David Bowie was a time David boss. Bowie was only in the... That's film. Is he only in the film? Yeah. He was in no, the he's dis- only in it. They, keep, they reference his character as having disappeared in the field. Okay. But, like, he t- his his appearance in the film is brief yeah. and very, very bizarre. But it's like, wow. Well, and um, hopefully David Duchovny is back for cross-dressing unless he was killed off in the series. Honest, I'd only seen the first, second series. I don't think I've even seen all of the second series, to be fair. I've watched the first series a lot, but the second series, because you couldn't well, get the second series yeah, for a long time. Was it? No. But, um, um, I'm all for watching it, um, but yeah, I think it's going to give me proper nightmares. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, what, one of the scariest things I've ever seen is... Um, <laughs> that actually shit me up, sorry, I'm sorry, right there David, at the door. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lynch, uh, David Lynch's... Um, well, he did a PlayStation 2 advert back in the day, which terrified me. Was that the one with the weird face? The third place with the duck man. Yeah. Oh, no. Wow, God, that gave me nightmares. <laughs> Freaky as hell. It really was, yeah. It's still, it's still weird. Um, and also, he did, um, for Inland Empire, it was um, Rabbits, his idea of a sitcom. And you, they're all on YouTube, like little five-minute episodes, and they're terrifying. Really freaky. There's some yeah. stuff you do. Like, you know, I've never... I've always been convinced that in the same way that I really have lost any interest in watching any Burton, I've been worried that I will similarly get to that stage if I watch any Lynch mm. too much. But something about Twin Peaks, because what I didn't realise is, of course, he never wrote Twin Peaks. People often seem to... Ah. No, he didn't. Yeah, no. He didn't write it. He directed it, but someone else wrote it. And the beauty is they are both coming back to the mm. new series in their original roles. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping it picks up with the town and... Um, that we still have a Bob mm. controlled or p- replacement, you know, Cause I'm, Dale Cooper. And Dale Cooper yeah. finally escapes, and we have kind of two Dale Coopers. Because I'm, 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 I'm a massive um, Stephen King fan. I, I, I love it, and I love that kind of um, slightly. I hesitate to use Lovecraftian, but you, you know, you think of like horror, which is kind of faceless and nameless, and the idea that like Bob is, you know, a, a, you know, a killer. But it's like he looks human, but like, what is he? Like, what is what is Bob? What is that force? I love that kind of deep, sinister, mm. ancient evil kind of vibe. Like, um, have any of you have either of you played Alan Wake? No, the game? no. Very Twin Peaksy. Very kind of like no um, deliberately referenced. Yeah, and it's very. Um, some of it's very cool, like the doppelg- some doppelganger themes. You know, like kind of small town weird weird stuff going on kind of thing. and then America even in the big places is quite weird so the idea of being able to really milk the small town mm. yeah mentality 
it'd be interesting to see what they do with it. Um, there's a certain thing that, I mean, it's the same people involved, so it should be good. You get the thing sometimes where it comes back. The Dead Zone was a great example, and it came back pretty much straight away, the Dead Zone. But I don't know if you ever watched the Dead Zone. No, I saw the first episode. The first yeah, episode was very good. It. it was superb. I absolutely adored it. But it got cancelled after the fifth season, then it got picked up again by another network. But they shifted where they shot it. Um, half the cast had been signed up for other TV shows, so they they at least did the thing. Because I hate it. It's one of the things I hate in Law and Order is when a character disappears between series with absolutely no references to where they went. Mm-hmm. Really bugs the shit out of me. I just want closure on those characters. But um. They did it, they brought them back, but then some left, some they just killed off. See, that's one of the things that I'm really impressed with. I've sort of fallen by the wayside in Criminal Minds, but every time they wrote a character out of Criminal Minds, they at least came back for a few episodes of the next season to reconcile them. Like uh, Mandy Patinkin yes. finally told them that he couldn't, he couldn't deal with yeah, because it wasn't the show they'd sold him on. And it was he... so grim, and he was like, we're doing horrible things to people. And I... Ironically, one of the shows he did next was Homeland, which is even worse, I felt, for doing horrible things. I've given up on Homeland. Um, New series started, I was like, don't give a fuck. <laughs> I thought I would be, considering what they did at the end of the previous season. But actually, I'm finding I still care enough about Carrie and Soul to stick with it. But I just, I didn't, the third series was pretty much a retread of the second series for me. The begin, it started the same as the second series with, she's crazy, but she's not really crazy, but she's crazy. Yeah. And I just, thankfully, unless they go back to that later, they seem to have left that well alone. Like, yes, they, they, everyone knows she's medicated. And yes, the fact that she, you know, had a baby. I mean, I can, did you watch the first episode of season three? At all. I'm not season three. I've seen four. No, I'm not going to bother. Yeah, and I probably wouldn't actually, considering how badly she's dealing with being a mum. I'd potentially. Because um, James Ramar played her dad, who's sadly died since in real life. So Oh, God. They had this horrific moment where he's referenced, like, oh, dad's not doing as much as he said he would to look after your daughter while you're away. And I'm like, ouch. Yeah, because the actor died. I just assumed they'd have killed him off screen. And yeah, you'd have fallen. Found a way to work around that, but um, but yeah, no, I um, I found that. What's on to Homeland anyway? Um, just talking about series we like. Um, yeah, the Dead Zone, and then oh, yeah, they yeah, shifted yeah. it. They completely changed the oh, set. Like Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. They changed the time. Um, but on Criminal Minds, Mandy Patinkin, another show that got cancelled that I really used to like was um, Dead Like Me. I love Dead Like Me. I didn't watch the Good segue. Film they made. No, I was too scared to. I, so no, many of the people. Mandy Patinkin wasn't in it. Right. Wasn't interested. Good. I I I had this whole that thing. That was Brian Fuller as well, wasn't it? That and Pushing Daisies were both Brian yes, Fuller. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Was she was a, like a Reaper. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Post-it notes. There's a beautiful yeah. thing at yeah. the end of the first si- the first episode, the pilot movie, where she's got to take the soul of the child. And she doesn't want to do it. She doesn't want to do it. But then they show her what they become, and you've got the guy from Will and Grace, Eric. McCormack, who later on is in it, is a soul that wasn't taken. But um, there's that, and that's absolutely beautiful when she does it with the little girl, and you see the little girl, I fucking bored, because, you know, it's a child dying, even if you see what their afterlife is. Just the way the child goes down after she brushes her face to take the soul. And then you had the one with the gay couple, where the one accidentally dies, and then the other one wants to kill himself. That whole thing was just heart-wrenchingly beautifully done. And then... Yeah. Is it Callum Blue? Yeah. Yeah. Him in that thing was brilliant. It was, it was so beautifully done. The whole thing. Super just the, the one guy when the one accidentally dies, he's like, I just don't know how I can live without this person. And he just tells him 
you know, he knows he's going to die anyway because he's there to take his soul. It just um, tells him that he should, you know, how to kill himself, basically. <laughs> but it's just such a beautifully done series. It was both hilarious and genuinely moving mm. at the same time and made me want to get to an age where I can start calling people Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> I want a young female friend, not in a creepy way. I just want to be able to call somebody Peanut. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a superb series. And again, that, that was definitely one, cut before its time. And once again... I'm amazed Brian Fuller hasn't just given up on TV because he has these fantastic ideas and then the suits don't get it. Mm. Well, he's riding high with Hannibal at the moment, though, so. which yeah. I'm not enjoying. It's a little too nasty for me. I know, which is weird based on the source material, but Silence of the Lambs, Manhunter, Red Dragon, all that isn't actually as nasty as it appears. It's all very much in your mind, whereas Hannibal, the TV series, is very much in-your-face nasty. In my in my honest opinion, pe- there are other no, people no. that love it, but I couldn't bring myself to watch it. It didn't appeal to me. I'm also all. a massive fan of both the novel Red Dragon and the film Manhunter. Yeah, not the film Red Dragon. I despise that. <laughs> well, that was putting it much more on the nose, wasn't it? By all accounts, yeah, all the subtlety was gone. But I absolutely adore Manhunter, which a lot of people hate because it's very eighties. It's very synth pop, very <laughs> Michael Mann well, in the eighties. Hold up, Sons of the Lambs is the definitive. But um. But yeah, so he had that. A um, couple of others to go through. A couple of recent ones, actually. Almost Human. Yeah. Which again, you're just exposing holes in my knowledge because I haven't, I haven't seen Almost Human. It was, I nearly didn't watch it because I knew it had been cancelled already. Because it was that classic thing of on in the US, Fox cancelled so. it before and it started. And this is the cop, cop thing. Yeah, Carl Urban. Carl Urban is superb in it. Mm. The, everyone is doing really well, actually. The, the woman that was in Six Feet Under, who is there... She was Nate. Lee Tomlins. Yeah, yeah, that's it. She was superb in it as well. That it was, was just a really was nice to see a female chief of police who didn't have some sort of horrific baggage to try and make her more masculine. Yeah, and wasn't a love interest. No, the leads she or... was just there being professional. It was wonderful. Even the character that was there, um, the lady who was in Friday Night Lights, to bring back to Friday Night Lights again, um, as the potential love interest, was also a character within her own right. It was um, it was great to have a buddy cop program, even if it had the gimmick of one of them as an android. But it was really good. Aired it out of order, didn't they? So it just didn't yeah, because did, oh, that's like a death did Fox nail, cancel uh, it before it aired or just after no, it they, started they airing? It a shot and then they cut it. Sh- they like they pretty much decided it was going to die before they'd aired it. Practically, yeah. And then they did the Firefly thing of showing them out of order, which yeah, just confused people. That is people. so bizarre. Like we talk about. Yeah, how many series has that With been Fox. Of Fox. <laughs> and nailing the coffin up? That's why when Gotham was announced as coming through Fox, everyone was kind of like, yeah, right, good there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, you only have to worry about this for a series. But um, you had almost human, and you had Awake as well for Jason Isaacs. Missed that completely. Oh, that which was, was actually really good. And I'm really, I'm actually, as much as I enjoyed Awake, I'm glad it ended after one series. They pretty much did everything they did needed they to do. Did they wrap it up? Did they have like, Pretty much. I think, I think it was like Angel and... Dollhouse and that where they knew it was going to end so yeah. they could give you a definitive ending so I mean Angel was cancelled partly through its fifth season which I know it ran for five seasons but it was still mm. cut short which I think is why they fought, put so much into it towards the end mm. I always felt with Angel that Joss Whedon was more interested in Firefly at that point that's why I initially was hesitant to watch Firefly Yeah, you- because I, I, I loved Angel and I felt like Joss Whedon had abandoned Angel to focus on Mm. You know, it's kind of like Angel was the cast-aside toy in favour of the new shiny Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> to bring it back to another Joss Whedon script. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, you know, so it wakes all of the red reality to the green reality. Oh, oh, yeah, no, that sounds like a really interesting concept where 
Yeah. There is a car he's, crash. Yeah, his wife is killed in one reality, his son, son is killed in the other reality. Other. When he goes to sleep in one reality, he instantly wakes up in the next one, so his wife's alive in one and his son's alive in the other. Yeah. But then the two worlds start to overlap. That actually sounded like, re- sound like a really interesting concept. And what was the, the, you know, reconciliation of that then? Uh, in the end, spoilers. massive spoilers for Awake, he wakes up and there's a third reality where they all lived. Oh. And that's sort of how it ends. And which weirdly opens it up to go much further, but also gives you closure. Mm. Yeah. So they could either and, have gone, okay, now you're jumping between three realities, um, or is, you know, one, the, this new one actually just a fake reprieve, or that's closure. That's yeah. Clever. Which, it was really nice. I mean, I only watched it because I'm a big Jason Isaacs fan. Cool. Um, but, um, yeah, no, that was... That was a really good thing. Um, Reaper? Did anyone watch Reaper? No, I meant to because of the Kevin Smith pilot thing. And then the more I heard about it, the more I was like, this doesn't appeal to me. I think because it sounded... Because if I remember rightly, Reaper aired just after Dead Like Me. They they sounded... I think it did, yeah. And yeah. I think Dead Like Me was basically either cancelled or about to be cancelled as Reaper started. And I thought, it sounds too similar in some ways. Like, I know obviously it wasn't. Yeah. But it felt like it was mining similar. Reaper was really good. It was... Suffered a lot of things that programs like that do, where there was a bit of frat boy stupidity episodes mm. in the middle. But for the whole, it had a really likable cast. It was really good. I mean, I didn't even know the Kevin Smith thing when I started watching it. I started watching it because it. What had, did he direct? Directed the he directed the yeah, pilot. One of the first times he directed someone else's work. Yeah, um, I think it was he was experimenting with could he make a career. Like I think he was burnt out a little bit by writing from what he said at the time. But I think then he later the same podcast. That's what led him to start smoking. He was having trouble writing. Um, I like think that. so, yeah. And so, yeah, he was, can I still direct if it's not mine? And I think he did ultimately say that he finds it hard to direct other people's work because there's not much passion for it. Yeah. And, you know, fair enough. He tried that and that bizarre thing with um, Bruce Willis Cop Out. Oh, yeah. Which was terrible. It was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. It was awful. It was awful. But, but it, yes. it wasn't the cast wreck I thought it was going to be. But, I mean, I think his problem with that was Bruce Willis. Yeah. They just. Such a shame. Because he really would look forward to working with him, and then hated every minute on it. When it's on. I yeah. think from what what I've read about Bruce Willis is some people like Wes Anderson have a really good relationship with Bruce Willis because it's not a Bruce Willis film. He's part of an ensemble. I think the problem is when you come in. From what I can gather from the various things I've pieced together, is if you're coming on as a director for hire on a Bruce Willis film. Yeah, because like his agent. He just and seems his, tired and angry. Because yeah, Cop Out was originally meant to star Mark Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, but they eventually developed it to a point where it was completely different. So they went across the road to Sony and made and made the other guys. Oh right. And I think that's the other thing Cop Out suffered from was that it was um it wasn't the other guys. It? it wasn't the other guys, yeah. Mm. But I think that's where that went wrong. Um, on the theme of those sort of things, did you do you remember a TV series called Good Versus Evil? Used to be on Sky One in the no, early 2000s. But, but you know what? It was around about the same time as something else I was going to bring up called Brimstone. Don't remember Brimstone. No, I don't remember either. Brimstone was about a guy, similar to Reaper in some ways, I guess. Um, souls had escaped from hell. And so the guy that went on to play um, Lionel Luther in Smallville. Oh, um. Glover? Yeah, John, um, John Glover. John Glover was the devil and basically recruited a cop to go at, like, I think there was some sort of deal of if you bring these, you've been falsely sent to hell, you know, or something like that, and if you bring back these souls, you can, you know, go up to heaven after all, I'll let your soul go. 
Um, so now you're going to return to the real world. But the thing was more just the thing that made it from what little I saw of it was just how good John Glover was in the role of the devil. Yeah. He'd do little things like he'd go to bring him a job, like, oh, here's a soul I need you to find. Here's one of the other escaped souls. And they were genuinely horrible souls that needed to be put back. So it was, you know, I'm selling it to you as you, this is a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he went, oh, yes, let me, let me, you know, I have a thing for you. And he reached into his coat pocket and pulled out a whole thing of various envelopes and things. And the guy sort of raised an eyebrow as he's sorting through them to find the piece of paper he needs to give. And he went, oh, Junk mail, one of my lesser works, <laughs> and just puts it all in. Like, yeah. Fantastic! And there was another one where they were in an alleyway, and John Glover kept bending down to tie Tramp's shoelaces together, sleeping Tramp's, just to tie their shoelaces together because he's the devil. He does horrible things to people, right. and that's just something like. Yeah, you know, I was just that's, really. That's very much what Reaper was and funny. So the same thing, and again, Reaper. The main thing of Reaper was um, Ray Wise as the devil. Mm. Ray Wise. That's the only reason I started watching it is because I've just watched Dead End with Ray Wise in it. Okay. That horror film where the car breaks down, and it's just wonderfully crazy. And Ray Wise is so good in it. Oh God, Brimstone was a fox show. Of course it was. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Good was, versus yeah. Evil was basically a cop that was basically RAPD. Mm. Um, was that again slightly similar in, in yeah. concept of a mm. Brimstone thing? Sure. Brimstone. It's set in '83. Ezekiel Zeke Stone was a New York City PD uh, detective whose wife, Rosalind, was raped. Uh, he tracked down and arrested the offender who was cleared of the charges. Furious, Stone then murders him and is basically killed two months later um, in prison and sent to hell for murdering Jacks. So not that, you know, like yeah. he's mm. there for, you know, doing something wrong, but etc etc uh, later in the show it was not the killing itself that condemned him but the fact he took pleasure in doing it he died the most decorated cop in NYC history until that point and 15 years later a breakup from hell occurs led by a 4,000 year old Canaanite priestess and the devil basically has never seen a breakout that includes 113 souls he is largely powerless on earth directly he has to influence people so he makes a deal with stone stone will be returned to earth if you can track those down and he may earn a second chance on Earth and then possibly Heaven. So it's basically time trapped. It, it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> interesting, interesting thing about a lot of these shows. Speaking of shows, cut short before their time. There was kind of hinge on a. It's very. We talked about the elevator pitch. A lot of these shows are basically. Oh yeah, you can boil it down to a two-sentence like, pitch. But you know, you you know, for better or for worse, the American series thrive on this kind of thing. Yeah. It's like a central concept, and then they take it. You know, I'm running yeah. with it for 20 episode series and maybe three, four, however many series. And sometimes they clearly have no idea what they're doing. I would maybe point a finger at Lost there, where it turns out they had a concept but no idea where the plot well, was I going. I always got the feeling with Lost, and I think they pretty much admitted it that Lost was meant to be like a two season deal max. Not an eight season or however many it turned out to be. Uh, seven, wasn't it? They had a definitive end in mind and they then had to keep stretching out. Yeah. Before they hit that goal. That's the other thing I forgot. He always woke up every day in Brimstone with $36.27 in his pocket. The exact money he had in his pocket oh, when he was arrested. Cool. That's really cool. It's just really cool little touches. Do you um, see The Lost Room? I've got it to watch. It's really good, actually. Really, really good. <laughs> it was a gift of years ago from friends, and I'm just. It keeps falling between mm. the cracks. But I, think but that, I will get to it. I think the way that's a, that's a classic example of a series which did what it wanted to do and knew when to quit. Mm. And right, they left it at that. They did yeah. three kind of maybe movie-length episodes and then left it at that and never never felt the need to touch it again. 
I just thought Heroes could have benefited from that. Oh, tell me about it. If oh, it ended wow. after one season, maybe revisited for a small miniseries a few years later, like they're going to, but not done on the intervening series. Mm. Oh, they're coming at Heroes Reborn or something like that. Something horrific. Yeah, That'd yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it turns out it's, a, it's a, actually a, an adaptation of um, Rob Leofield's Avengers from <laughs> New 52 <laughs> of Heroes. Put it this way, if they're constantly framed in a such a way that you can't see their feet... <laughs> feet are hard. <laughs> feet are really hard. <laughs> But we need we need to wrap it up. Yeah, one obvious Batman. one that we've we've not talked about, even though it ran for four seasons, is Lois and Clark. <laughs> I I think it's I I I used to watch a lot of Lois and Clark as a kid. I well, the new well, now, again, I, I, I'm only before its time, or did it come to an end? See, I'm only bringing it up because it was mentioned to me that oh, we're going to talk about Lois and Clark. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've done you've done your obligatory duty. Now. The thing with Lois and Clark is. If it had carried on with the juice it had in the first series and lesser so in the second series, I probably would have been gutted if it had been cancelled at that point. But by if the it fourth, had more moments like Tempest, I keep bringing it up. But Tempest, see Tem- Tempest, 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 they, they became over reliant on. They did, but the first episode he's in, the Clark Kent yeah. man, how dumb was she? So that's the question we all ask in the future. Is one of the best because it's not even he just takes the glass off. He changes his whole like the way his face is oriented just. Clark Kent, Superman. Clark Kent, Superman. And just completely... Well, I was you like, see it going, what? <laughs> on, on that whole Superman glasses thing, I was like the thing that is kind of addressed in the Richard Donner films. Everybody's so wrapped up in their own world that they don't even notice that Superman is amongst them. Because mm. everybody's so wrapped up in their own thing that they're not I even... even more yeah. them on I think... I, but you could say one thing that maybe like cameras and such weren't what they were back mm. then. So maybe like, you know, if Superman were real today telefocal lenses you may just be able to get like a shot of this facing you know and then think you computer around analysis or something but um yeah just like the idea that you know if superman is more you don't see past the symbol in a way it's yeah. like here is a man in blue well, tights it's the whole thing that they address it in the john byrne <laughs> superman comic is that lex Luthor is presented with the information that clark kent is superman yeah and he just refuses to believe it because he refuses to believe that anybody as powerful as superman would hide himself as a mm. mortal man well, All-Star Superman, where um, the gospel according to Lex Luthor, where Lex Luthor's on death row and Clark Kent goes to get his final interview. And it's this amazing thing where you just, you, it's nothing but Lex Luthor talking about, you know, his reasons for hating Superman and then saying, like saying to Clark, you know, he's saying like, look at you, Clark, you know, if you, if you lost a bit of weight and, you know, worked out, he said, you, you could have a, a build to rival Superman himself, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, you, he, do you not feel diminished by Superman? And Clark's like, well, you know, our jobs don't really overlap that often. So. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, Lois and Clark was such a good, the first series was superb. That I find it very hard to find fault in the first. I know a lot of people hate it as well. And a lot of people hate being Kane as Superman and that's fine. The weird thing I thought the other day, my my strongest memory of the four seasons, or I don't know if I watched all four as well, but obviously I saw the Tempest stuff, and that was what, season two? Season two, we came in first time, three, they brought him back for quite a few episodes, and then four, he was used a lot. Two was, because two was, it was part of two, he reveals to Lois, Lois confronts Clark, and then is made to forget, and then in the finale of season two, there's like a storm cloud, thunderstorm, and she and Superman. Oh, it's series two ends with, Super, with Clark proposing to Lois, and Lois says, Who's asking Clark or Superman? And she's remembered. And that's yeah. how it ends, yeah. Nice. I've forgotten, um, I've forgotten so much about But there's a bit where 
they go to park somewhere and there's no decent parking. There is like a space, but people have been such arseholes about where they parked, you couldn't get in and out of the space. And so Clark's just like, off you go, I'll take care of this. And when no one's looking, just bottom bumps the car <laughs> over into the space. And I remember just thinking, that's having fun with yeah. powers. He just just pushes his ass back and the whole car just jumps into yeah. the space neatly. And I like that. I think that was the level of fun that, when it was good, Lois and Clark had with the... the well, there's a superb era. episode called Fly Hard that they basically get held hostage in the Daily Planet. And so Clark can't use his powers, so obviously everybody's watching him. So, and it's a really, it's one of my favourite episodes. It's that and Honeymoon in Metropolis, which are two from the first series. They're just nice, simple ideas, but the thing that they lost sight of with the later episodes is that it was about Lois and Clark. Yeah. And Superman was the side thing, but then as it went on, I don't know whether they were like, not enough boys are watching this, or it's not reaching women in the way we wanted it to, so let's go with more Superman. Did they ever kill off his parents in that? No. They kept that him was alive. the thing I remember most about it. Was Which is one of the things I, was I love. stunned, late, because that was one of my early experiences of, really, the Superman my thoughts, more than the comics. I didn't read the comics until later. Later discovering that in almost everything else, mm. one or both. Because uh, I think I did watch the Donna movies, but didn't really take them in. It was only when I rewatched the Donna films, having seen Lois and Clark, or the new of the Superman. Not, not to come so back to Man of Steel, but that's the thing they misfire. In the Donna film, he dies of a heart attack, which there's absolutely nothing Superman can do about it. That's the whole thing. That's that's what wrecks him about his father dying. Uh, makes I him go off on his I'm, journey. I'm trying so in, hard not to just keep quote calling back to All Star Superman, but yeah, it's the in, moment where his dad dies. It's just heartbreaking. Yeah, in, yeah. in Man of Steel, it's not that it was not something he couldn't do anything about. It. They just completely misfired his death to give it. That was, I had to say, the thing that most impressed me of the little bit of Gotham. I've only seen the viewers at home. I've only seen about 20 minutes of Gotham so far. And that's having been putting off watching it for a while because it started in the US and I've had a chance to see them early. Um, was that once you have the Wayne murders and mm. the boy's not spoken to anyone and Jim Gordon goes over and speaks to him and sort of things and he still isn't saying anything. And he basically sort of says, I think you find out say, my name's Bruce. And he tells him you need to be strong and recounts that he knows, like it isn't just a, a police officer faking empathy. Yeah. yeah. He kind of knows how you, you feel because a drunk driver hit his dad's, hit car. his dad's car and killed his dad and he was in the same car. Mm. So he survived and was powerless to do anything to stop him. This and because Bruce Wayne is starting to rage, the, four, the first seed of I should have been able to do something is there. Yeah. This is what almost frustrates me is this could be, it's so faithfully borrowing from some of the source material of the, at least the Wayne murders, right down to the pearls mm. breaking and all the rest of it that it could have been in the Nolan verse. My um, problem with this current take on Batman's origin of the death of his parents is I liked it when it was just a senseless crime. Yeah. I don't like this whole thing that they built into they built into the comics as well and I wasn't sure even coming to it it's got from like it's a loaded targeted thing on the way. It's part of a higher thing. Because you've got the whole thing when he's... Gotham, I haven't got to that. And I think it's when he's talking to him on the step because he says the guy had shiny shoes. That's right. It's the law of kind of like increasing origin complexity over the years, isn't it? You go from it a is, very the simple whole simplicity concept. of Batman was that it was a senseless crime. I always mm. like that Batman does eventually track down that guy yeah. Yeah. and can't bring himself to do anything about the guy other than, you know, it beats him up and, and yeah. you know, serves him up to the police. Well, apparently, in the, ori- in the original continuity, it's the closest Batman comes to ever killing anyone yes. because he drives There's... him to suicide, basically, by tormenting him. In as the... 
early there's the Bill Finger one where he confronts him, shows him that he's Bruce Wayne, the guy runs into a room full of criminals, says, I need help, Batman's after me. But is he he's saying, like, I killed his parents years ago, and then I all, the criminals, the, Batman, all the criminals in the room turn on him because he, he was responsible for creating Batman, so they kill him before he can tell him of Bruce Wayne. In year two, the Reaper kills him. Bruce Wayne reveals that he's Batman to him, and he's got the gun, but then he can't go through with it, and the Reaper kills That's Joe right. Chill. But yeah, there are the other... And then, of course, mm. you've got, like, so for a long time, of course, people bought into the Burton version meets it. Ties it all neatly together. Yeah, I think Jack Napier is the guy that kills the parents and goes on to become the Joker. But that uh, was a, that was a whole thing that was symmetry for a film. Yeah, rather yeah. than for the, like I say, I love, I just love the whole thing in the comic. And we've gone massacre. Thank you. That it's just the simplicity of it. It's a senseless crime. There's no rhyme mm. or reason to it. This whole thing that it was a hit against the Waynes. Well, that's the for thing. whatever it, reason. You're quite right, and it's like uh, it's the same. You look at any superhero, and it's like here's a superhero. He had an origin. Boom, he's a hero. You know, if you run that character for like 40 years, they start saying, oh, he has a brother, and his brother's like a, a villain, and he's his arch enemy, and his dad was a scientist, you know. And then when someone retells the origin, then it's like Chinese whispers, and you come back yeah. to the origin, it seems like the whole family were destined to be Racism. superheroes at one. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what's quite weird? Just thinking about it as well, um, what, again, what they're like in the Gotham, the entrance of um, Sean Pertwee yeah. as Alfred. It's almost like he's trying to be a young Michael Caine. Now, maybe I'm reading too much into it, mm. but the way he presents himself in the first scene and walks up... There's a wonderful Alfred... It's in the trailer, the bit where Bruce is standing on the roof. There's a wonderful bit of Alfred on the ground. I won't spoil it for you. I'll just let you watch it, but it's superb. It's not a major thing, but it's just it's just a really nice it's, Alfred moment and I, something you've never seen from Alfred. Again, it's one of those wonderful moments of, of you know, the writers are at least letting the characters tell the story rather than exposition. Yeah. Um, where... Jim Gordon says, we're going to catch the guys that did this. And Alfred just looks at him and goes, so you're the new guy then. Like, <laughs> it, but yeah, you don't work, get how Gotham PD works. You're yeah. not going to catch anybody. You're just going to pin it on the easiest person and that'll do, if you're lucky. And it was, But none of that, it was all just in, so you're the new guy then. Where, from the earnest, we're going to catch this guy. This is yeah. Alfred's yeah. very... Quite brutal. So you're the new guy. <laughs> I think like it's always fun to go and like revisit things from a different angle. But it's like I guess maybe trying to fit it into some greater continuity doesn't work. But I think I'm kind of. It's like, you know, saying like you know the Wayne, the, the murder of the Waynes was part of a bigger plot. You know, I've always kind of, I always like the idea that Batman maybe started things. You know, you yeah. know, all kind of the escalation, the crazy yeah. pop yeah. crime. But like going back the other way and having crazy stuff before Batman turns up, it almost kind of diminishes Batman's yeah. presence and his effect on Gotham. Although I have, must say I have loved both in the Arkham Asylum game series and in some of the works like Gate of Gotham that Snyder did, mm. the suggestion that the Cobblepot legacy and some of the others, the you know the Arkham legacy in yeah. Gotham is quite creepy. And yeah. some of the stuff that like how Arkham Asylum is riddled with almost Lovecraftian style issues. Well, again, going back to the serious house on serious earth, like the um, Grant Morrison again. It's like, yeah, uh, Grant Morrison's uh, original graphic novel. Yeah, it's just... Uh, That'd be like me constantly referencing Kurt Music and George Perrin. Well, which, which, is awful, <laughs> which is awesome as well. But like, you know, I could talk about... <laughs> swear jar. <laughs> yeah. Grant Morrison. On, on, on the final thing then with... Uh, in the context of the Nolan universe, Batman's parents being an organised crime then fits in with Batman's hatred for organised crime and mm. disinterest in any disorganised crime. 
if you've not submitted a plan to Batman, he's not going to fight you. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he never really deals with random muggings. Well, it's the whole thing, those, isn't uh, it? In Dark Knight Rises, it's like he's, he's dealt with all organised crime. So disorganised crime, if, if you've not, you know, got three yeah. weeks worth of paperwork and planning. He's basically the gangbuster, wasn't he? <laughs> what was the, the sidewalk thing where uh, it, it, it got premeditated? Oh, it's a um, person of interest. A person of interest, The machine yeah. can work out yeah. if you've got... But if it's just a random crime, it can't do anything about it. Which but is Batman without the suit. If you're planning it, yeah, exactly. I love person of interest. I love Although, ironically enough, Jonathan Miller. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, that sounded like an interesting but concept. Actually, a couple of episodes. I get the, the feeling season. that Person of Interest started life as a Batman TV series, <laughs> and it was just kind of like Warner's were like, no, because we've got the movies, we're not going to well, touch on TV. To be fair, I would say I would argue that the machine's precursor is the listening machine of all the phones yeah. in Batman in Dark Knight. So, someone made the point the other day that the politics of the Winter Soldier are basically the opposite of the politics of the Dark Knight. How so? <laughs> I, don't, I, I think it's basically the um, observation thing. Right. Like the whole guy. Yeah, because in Dark Knight it's used for a positive thing, and in um, Winter, Soldier, Winter Soldier it's a very, very, very negative thing. Yeah. I'd say late season of Person of Interest is something very strong, so I look forward to seeing that on our screen. I'm still on series two, is the last one on oh, TV. Man, three was superb. Three, I know, and there's a major character thing in three that I found out by accident. Oh no, really? Yeah. Well, the big, the big, big thing. Probably yeah. the big, big thing. The, yeah. Oh. Which? Because well, there's, there's a thing that popped up on like seven things you you know most memorable things from a TV thing. I was like, oh, this might be quite. Fuck. <laughs> no, I, um, I don't have thing. to. Well, it's how I found out about twisting bones already. Enough. Like, oh, really? Click. Oh no. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the um, that moment that you were talking about, I actually yeah, that's probably the last time. No, there's been one time since, but that was the last time that a show really got to me, and I mm. had to kind of be like, I need a moment because that. <laughs> oh my god, did not see that coming. But there was just been one since, which was yeah, Jesus. Should we draw? Try we, draw we are going to draw like yeah. like 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 a Fox TV show. We've gone on a little bit too long and out of order, but now it's time for us to a be Fox cancelled. TV show never goes on too so long. So now it's time for us to screen the pilot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I, yeah. now it's time for us to edit this down. And, um, but yeah, that's it from me. So it's goodbye from Ben. So long. Goodbye from John. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Uh, we will uh, be in your iPod again soon. And now I've got to find the stop button. That's not at all as smooth as when Andy does it.